Flesh and blood down under. Whoop whoop. Is this episode ten? I think we're in double digits. This is ten. Oh, how we're good is that? Two two hundred, three hundred. I can't. Thanks for the applause. Hey, uh, look, I'm um, three hundred and eleven subs, I believe. Not Guys, hit the sub button if you haven't. We're trying to hit a thousand eventually. But um, yeah, episode ten. I think three four thousand views. It's going well. Awesome. Also, it's fun. Brendan, welcome. Welcome. We have a very special guest today. Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> very, very special guest. So. We should write intros for our guests, like, you know, like TV shows, like this person's accolades and list them <laughs> off. Uh, ex Wizard of the Coast employee. Yes. Current LSS employee. Uh, yeah, right. Tech. Their, distri- their distribution in okay. Southeast Asia. So, Fable? Yeah, Fable International, they're called, based out of Taiwan. Everyone knows Fable because of the Taiwanese. Yeah, Fate yeah. Scene promo. Well, welcome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, You're yeah, only thanks. in Sydney temporarily, so we thought we'd... Gra- That's why it's actually lit up today. We never record during the day, <laughs> but we thought we'd catch you before you leave, before I leave, and yeah. Well, I've been friends with Brendan since 2013, mm-hmm. met through our... Oh, my previous passion, magic. That's how we met. And uh, one thing I've always wanted to ask you, Brendan, is yeah. how much did it suck working for Watsy? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was... A- you know what? I think one of the things that uh, was awesome about working at Watsi is that you're interacting with the community every day and the people you work with. And, you know, the gaming community is amazing, you know. But, uh, you know, it's got its challenges. You know, Watsi itself can be a little bit of an ivory tower at times. So, you know, sometimes you don't agree with everything. But at the end of the day, you know, you love the community. You love the games. So, yeah. Well, let me paint you a picture of how I met Brendan. So, me being the Timmy I am... I was at the LGS building a standard Demir mill deck at the time in 2013 and I was too much of a tight ass to buy these key uncommons for the deck. I think they were about a buck each. And uh, Brendan was there hanging out with a couple of friends, a couple of mutual friends, and they were sorting cards, chewing the fat, as you did back in the day. We used to actually hang out at the LGSs outside of tournaments and just play practice games, trade, sort our collections, things like that. And um, Brendan asked me, he goes, what are you looking for? And I told him the card, and he just handed me four of them without hesitating. And I couldn't believe it. I could not believe that act of kindness, and then we just hit it off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what it was like back then in the day. You just hang out with people, you try to build the community, and you just try to be as friendly as you can. That was that was my thing back in the day. Cause See, like, I'm like that now because I don't have any past in card games. Like, oh, you need three cards to build your deck. Like, all right, here you go. Like, why would I keep them in a folder and not have you play? Yeah. <laughs> and the other thing too is you weren't so precious about the value mm. of cards back then. It was just kind of like, well, if I can help you play, it means that you rock up each Friday night or exactly. you know, during the weekend. That's much better. And, kind know, of feels like that with Fab at the moment too. We, there's a lot of that in Fab. I yeah. think it's because we're trying to grow the game. So I'd rather... I gave, I gave someone a crown of seeds the other day. <laughs> I'm playing him in an armory. I sit down with Dory. CC Armory Central. Uh, good game Central. And he pulls out Oldham. 
and my heart sank. I'm like, this is the matchup I hate. <laughs> and then he pulls out like an iron rod. Helm. I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh, how long have you been playing for? He goes, ah, a couple of weeks. I just love Oldham. And he's got no good equipment. So I beat him yeah. soundly, which feels bad because <laughs> I'm not supposed to win that matchup. And I go, man, you really like being a play Oldham. First card you should get is a crown of seeds and then maybe next to Tunic. He goes, yeah, yeah, I know. Just haven't had the money. And then I remember I have like four in my bag and I think Crown of Seeds, well, Crown of Seeds banned in Blitz and probably will get banned in CC one day. <laughs> so I'm like, you know what? Here, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a piece of cardboard that will probably be worth $0 when Oldham living legends. Yeah. And that guy will never change now. He'll always play Oldham. Yeah. I mean, the other thing too, like, and I've known you a long time and, you know, it's funny that you call yourself the tall Timmy because you are the truest Timmy, <laughs> the truest Timmy because you played Mill for so long and the amount of times you'd rock up to a tournament, you're not ready for this and he'd mill you out or he'd just get you and you just have that face at the end of the tour, <laughs> like at the end of the game, like, is this really what's happening right now? Because you just had no strategy for it. It was just, but it was funny watching him do it to other people too. Not just for the uninitiated, milling is getting the opponent's deck to run out. Oh, fatiguing. See, yeah, yeah, fatiguing. Yeah. yeah. See, it's funny, right? People play against burn, for example. For all you guys that play Magic, you know, it's literally counting to twenty, and people can cop that. But when they lose their library and they have no cards to draw, oh man! <laughs> oh, the salt the, the, was real. The, yeah. The, the, the facial expressions, the the tilt. Oh, man. oh was, I lived for it. Yeah, yeah, I had literally people say those exact words, throw their hands up in the air and go, how do I deal with this? Yeah. I can't believe it. I'm getting milled out. Uh, I learned after a while, just get your sideboard, just jam. <laughs> you got an extra the, Everything, yeah. yeah, yeah. Fun times. Why fun don't times. you play Oldham then? Not my style. Not my <laughs> style. Milling, though, I'm, a sl- much. I'm a slow player so yeah, by nature, yeah, yeah. so it's not good. Yeah. Um, so so bef- yeah, I'll yeah. go for it. Well, uh, I'm I'm curious because I haven't known you as long. Yeah. So I've met you a couple of times at Blood Rush. So you yeah. know the the guys uh, Central Coast, but you technically live in Taiwan now. Yeah. So I'll be I'll, I'll be working out of there as much as I can at the moment. Uh, I because there's like the pandemic still mm. kind of relevant over there. I, I'm trying to make sure that I don't spend my entire time just working from home over there. Yeah. So I try to make sure I maximize my time here. But to be honest, I'm finding myself over the last six months just traveling everywhere. So like New Zealand, Melbourne, uh, I've got uh, Singapore calling just around Yeah, I'm the looking corner, forward to so that. That'll be awesome. So to be honest, I'm usually not in one place at the moment. It's kind okay. of, yeah, I've been leaving out of suitcases for a bit. So yeah. so tell us, um, well, tell me because uh, Paul probably knows it, but the audience doesn't. Yep. Uh, where did you get started with, with I, I'm guessing magic was your first love? Uh, it's actually funny. My, my story is, you know, going back to when I was a kid, I collected a lot of sports cards, gaming cards and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, the the thing was, is I used to call magic money the gathering, <laughs> you know. And the thing was, is just because it was so expensive to play, you hear about, you know, how much cards cost. So I actually played like every single card game other than magic. So I played Versus, Vampire, The Masquerade, uh, Spycraft, uh, UFS, um you name it, I played it, right? And I loved a lot of those games. And, you know, the one thing all those games have in common is that they all came and gone. 
Yes. And so magic was kind of like the last one standing. And, you know, just like everybody else who probably starts in magic, it was just turned in from, it went from like a kitchen table game with a couple of friends to rocking up at a Friday night, you know, getting your ass beaten a few, <laughs> a few times and then realizing like, all right, I want to stop losing now. Let's just spend some money and get a deck and, you know, uh, in, enjoy, you know, winning Would you some say games. there's a correlation between those two facts though? Because there's a lot of people that argue in flesh and blood, ah, oh, Skullcap's too expensive. Command yeah. and Conquer's too expensive. And and there's the there's this voice out there of people saying, guys, it's not too expensive. But but I see it because I'm again new. I go if that didn't exist, if tunics weren't two hundred dollars, the game might die. Yeah, yeah, hundred <laughs> like, percent. There's a, there's a correlation, right? Yeah, because a lot of those games were player games. The company made. Some of these companies made a lot of effort that the secondary market wouldn't go overboard, so they'd reprint or whatever, yeah. and that actually hurt the long run. Yeah, it's an important pillar of trading card games. If you actually go back through the history of like Wizards' success, and I, I pick out Wizards because they're the oldest, they're mm. the original, but um, or all trading cards, the games. measuring stick. Yeah, yeah. The thing is, is that those cards have to be valuable. The idea is that you want to be able to make an investment into the game. And then know that like your cards are worth something, right? And also, think of it this way. When you go and spend like $200 on a card, you are investing in time with that card. So think of it this way. If you went to the movies, you spend 30 bucks, you get an hour's worth of entertainment. You go spend that money on Skullcap, $200, how much gameplay are you going to get That's how I look at PC games. Yeah, yeah. My library is probably $50,000. But for the 20 years I've had the library for or whatever... There's it's not a lot of money when you calculate the amount of hours. Like even you can look on Steam and go, oh, I spent 2,000 hours in Counter-Strike. That paid for that $60 a few times over. You yeah, know? 100%. Like yeah. I think about all the decks that I've probably purchased over time and I still play them to this mm. day. And the idea is that they've paid for themselves 10 times over. You know, the yeah. amount of entertainment that I've gotten out of them versus going to the movies and stuff. It's And as a young little Timmy... When I was blowing all my pocket money on booster packs, the way that I justified it to mum and dad was when I opened them up, oh, this is worth $5 or $10. <laughs> and then they gave me the green light to spend more of my pocket money on yep. booster packs. Where if yeah. I just opened it up and said, oh, this is worth nothing, they'd be like, why are you spending this money on bits of cardboard? Like they, <laughs> as older people from another generation, yeah. they yeah. wouldn't understand it. Exactly. And I think the other thing too is we're all big kids at the end of the day as well. So when we were a kid and we couldn't get exactly what we yes. wanted, now we've all got jobs, you know, we can we can spend it this on is some why I, cardboard. This is why I t explain to people why I think you never compare fab with magic. For, for the dollar, like they go, yeah. oh, hard is, oh, it'll be like a Lotus one day. I'm like, no, mm -hmm. there, there were 10-year-olds that opened a Lotus yeah. and then traded it. <laughs> and those people that have companies and staff now go out and spend $100,000 on a card. Yeah. But they're not going to, like, unless we get actual kids playing fab, yeah. a lot of them, Yes. then in 20 years, maybe you'll have hearts worth a couple yeah. hundred thousand dollars. But but you don't get that usually. From, it's, it's why the collectible industry exists. It's all these toys and, yeah. and figurines and stamps and coins. Of, Nostalgia. Yes, yes, yeah. that's where it comes from. It's not as simple as 35-year-old me <laughs> opening a cold for or something because... I, I, or you'll like, still get a kick out of it though. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm never going to have the nostalgia that makes me yeah. go back and buy a heart for 200K. Course, Do you know what I mean? Course, yeah. I don't think that will happen. Exactly. Um, so magic, well, you didn't tell us how you got into magic. You got into most other card games for, for 
at yeah. the beginning. Yeah, so then uh, played some kitchen table magic with some mates who really, you know, they were super Timmies as well. And they, you know, we were playing 50 lands a turn, just, you know, playing removal spells and not reading cards as you do. And yep. then that just led to going to your local game store for the first time. And then I just got hooked from then. You know, you, you start making some of your best friends. You know, Paul, for God knows how long I've known him, but like all your friends that you meet, you know, throughout your your teens, become your best friends into your thirties and forties. So, you know, uh, that that's been you know some of the special friends that you make as a part of that. But not only that, you know, um, I got on a bit of the grind, like the pro tour grind as well. And you know, each weekend you guys are grind, grinding tournaments together, practicing together, traveling to GPs, and you know, even though you don't win, there's there's a bit of like camaraderie and bonding going on those. You were, the a, shenanigans. You, you were a prolific competitive um, MTG grinder before you worked for Watsy. Yeah, yeah, And correct. then you were unable to compete in that capacity once you got the job. Yeah, Is that correct? Yeah, so my, my working career was like I worked at Games Workshop as a teen, moved over to EB Games because, you know, went through a video game phase. Plus the manager kind of poached me from there. He's just like, hey, you want to work here? I'm like, no. And it's like, calls me two weeks later he's like hey you're here for a shift and i'm like uh said no but all right i rock up and so started working there and then i got in my head for some reason that i needed to get like a nine to five office job at some stage and be like a responsible adult and then worked insurance for 10 years and once again insurance is a very dry industry it's oh, yeah. not it's not super fun but the people there kept me there so long they were they were good people to work with and fun people but when I left there, I just wanted to work for a company where I knew I was either contributing to the community or I was going to have fun doing it. And what's the opportunity came up? It was actually the, the craziest thing. I was actually took a six-month sabbatical after I remember my show where I was just grinding tournaments, you know, uh, going on holiday every week whenever I could. And I was in the Philippines and one of our mutual friends, Mo, messaged me. He's like, oh, what's he's got this role open for a um, key account manager for Australia, New Zealand. And literally just before the flight, you know, I'm, I'm messaging the only person I knew at Watsi at the time, which was Sherry Ma. And she was a tournament organiser. Yep. And literally dropped her a line like before I got on the flight saying, hey, is this role still open? I saw it, you know, jumped off LinkedIn. It's not there anymore. And she was like, oh, just send me your resume. And I'm like, oh, I'll need to send it in a few hours because I'm on a, just about to jump on a flight. And she thought I completely forgot about it because like the flight's like nine hours and she was expecting it straight away. And then when I landed back in Sydney, she's just, uh, I just sent through the resume. She's like, oh, I thought you forgot all about me and stuff. And two interviews later... Yeah, started working at Watsi. And so. how long was that for now? So three and a half years I worked at Watsi. So, you know, uh, the Watsi team in Australia is actually quite small. It's about six to seven people. Um, and, yeah, they're, they're a great bunch of guys. Like, you know, they all you work together in a close-knit team, so they're not all in your own individual office. It's like literally sitting all together uh, day in, day out, dealing with all the challenges of working with local game stores to distribution, uh, like getting product into the country, you know, marketing. So you kind of really like in each other's business all the time. So whenever you had a challenge, it's kind of like you turn around and be like, hey, how do we deal with this? And you, you work it all together as a group. So And they're really fun guys. So like um, the WPN team who deals with all the retailers, um, you know, my role was dealing with a lot of the distributors in Australia and New Zealand. And then you had marketing who, had, you know, was promoting the product in the region 
and then you had trade marketing and Sherry who was doing tournament organising at the time. So all the organised play stuff that was going on. So if you're ever missing a promo or there's an event you needed to run, like Sherry was was the person and, you know, you had Will who was doing all the marketing initiatives uh, across Southeast Asia. Uh, If there was a distribution issue, that was probably my issue. I I was probably dealing with that. And then, yeah, the WPN team, which was Mitch and Andy at the time, and uh, they were, you know, the lifeblood of the business, talking to stores day in, day out. So I managed those two as well. So, yeah. What made you leave? Um, I think, you know, fundamentally, look, the major reason was that I didn't, me and management didn't, see eye to eye in Southeast Asia and I don't you know nobody wants to be micromanaged or anything like that but the idea is that you know you want to run your region the way you want to run it not necessarily you know I'm happy to take ideas but you have a way of the way you want to run things and we didn't actually see eye to eye and eventually it got to the point where it was like you're rocking up on a Monday fighting about how you want to distribute your product and you know at the end of the day you want to make sure that the local game stores don't rock up to the office with pitchforks and torches wanting to burn the office down because, you know, you're not distributing your product correctly and yep. and those sorts of things. And you've got to work with the distributors as well because, you know, once again, they also deal with the front line as well. So, you know, I think ultimately at the end of the day, it just started to become a little unfun. So, and I always said, you know, the whole reason of getting into it was, you know, to, to feel like you're contributing to the community. And one of the things I will say is that, you know, when I started was I wanted to leave it in a better spot than I did when I got there. And I still feel that I did. But, you know, once again, you probably, and all your listeners are going to know, it's just Watsi's probably going through a lot of changes at the moment. And it, it's quite challenging as a consumer. And when you work on one side of the fence, you can understand why they made some of those decisions. But on the other side... It's still yep. hard to deal with each day where it's like you're getting drowned in product, retailers, you know, finding it challenging. Like, you know, ever since, I guess, Watsy got bought out, you know, by Hasbro when 2010 or something, mm. up until when I sort of left Magic around 2018, mm. um, you know, we saw the game change a lot. Yeah. Um, and, and I still strongly believe for the worst, not for their bottom line. Yep. Okay, I've never said that. Like yep. for their bottom line, they've gone from strength to strength. But yep. from a consumer like me, I, I think the game has deteriorated and is continuing to deteriorate. Did yeah. w- did you feel that? Um, yeah. Did you like, you know, you know, I, I really mourn old magic. Yeah. Like yeah. how it used to be. Like I, I, re- I really get quite sad thinking about it. Like did you have that? feeling as well was that part of the reason why you wanted to leave do you think or uh, did the I, energy change or yeah i think i think the hard part is when i first started you know the lifeblood of the business was your local game store and supporting the local community and i'm not saying that what's you've moved away from that they probably devoted some of their energy to other areas um but i think the ultimate you know challenge with the business was that <sighs> there was lots of decision like a new set would come out and the, the one thing you want players to do, right, is say, like, I enjoy drafting it or I enjoy playing this standard. Instead, the conversation became around how valuable the cards were on the secondary market or, you know, we're going to sell a lot of these because we've, you know, jammed in some kind of special promo or some kind of promotion around the game and we're they're kind of moving away from playing the game. Yeah. Uh, and there was a lot of promotion around Commander, Um once again, that's moving away from that competitive scene. And 
standard was like the lifeblood of the business because you need players playing the latest sets all the time to make sure that, you know, you're building your community around, you know, okay, something new comes out, we can promote it, we can play it, we go to pre-release, we draft. But people then were just like, oh, I'm just going to buy the singles out of it and, you know, play Commander instead. And, you know, the pandemic didn't help with that. But ultimately, we're now sort of out of it. It's still the same conversation. You know, they still haven't quite figured out how to transition back into it. Uh, I don't think they've really gotten their organised play like pro scene sorted out yet you know we don't know what's happening with gps there's there's probably a lot of things there that still haven't i think it's know. also this it's then big companies aren't agile yeah like if, if, if there was an owner yeah and the owner wanted gps to happen they'd yeah. be fucking gps it's not a question but when you got shareholders and stakeholders which also means because it's like a democratic process mm. If if six of the nine board members don't want it, man, you're like you got to fight, you got to politic it. Yeah, <laughs> I, not knowing what's happening, I can imagine a company with with billions of dollars in revenue. Yeah, can't just go like even if they all decide we're doing pro play. Yeah, that takes months now. While LSS, I think on the flip side, I'm pretty sure if James wants a pro tour to happen in France, it's then about how, not about asking permission like i think he can still steer the ship and yeah definitely i think one of the things james does and speaking of james and uh, and you can tell that his hearts are in the right place like yep. around local game stores the lifeblood of the business you know um the way he wants people to play the game and embrace the game um it is around playing the game mm. not around the secondary market and all that sort of stuff all that stuff look it's important to have because, once again, it sets up the pillars of success of your business. But if the local game store and the organised play is successful, that'll just organically it'll have be there. It doesn't need to be um, artificially engineered. Correct. Mm. So, he re- you know, it reminds me a lot of, like, Watsy of the 90s. Um, and a lot of people in this community, you know, I'm learning is, like, they're very aspirational when it comes to their play. So they know... This is the one thing where I think... The easiest way to probably explain the major issues that are going on over at Wizards versus, you know, LSS is that if you go down to the local game store right now and you talk to somebody who plays Flesh and Blood, they know what they need to do to go to the Pro Tour. Yes. If you ask anybody who plays uh, Magic at the moment, God knows, like, you know, they probably still think the, uh, uh, you know, the online... On the floor. Yeah, the online system uh, that they were doing yeah. uh, is still the aspirational pro play at the moment. So I don't think there's a lot of communication going on to like educate the community of, you know, where pro tours are at, you know, what they need to do to win, and, or even what's happening with GPs and these sorts of things. That you know, there's just I don't know enough about it, but are you saying like? Um MTGO is that what it's called Magic Gathering Online uh, well there's Arena and there's MTGO okay, yeah. but is that where the pro play happens now well they they moved from I'm assuming it does well they, they moved from doing paper magic and everything being in paper for the major tournaments and they went to like more of an esports model sure where you know they paid players to compete they had like top 20 players um, in different brackets and they would do it all online and that it was backfired kind of, uh, I, I know, think so, so. The Mythic Championship was a bit of a flop. Let's be honest. No, here's what I'm. Here's where I'm getting with it. Yeah. The, let's compare it to poker a little bit. Yeah. You've got online poker. Yeah. 
which is where all the money is. Yep. But then you have in-person poker broadcast. They get celebrities and stuff. But really, the lion's share of money is not the World Poker Tour anymore. It's mm. the ten billion people online that decide to buy into tournaments. Yeah. Have they gone that route with Magic? Where if if you want to make money playing Magic, as an example, you you join a lot of online tournaments. Is that? Uh, I think that's probably their vision down the track. Okay. Like you know, in the next you know, I, I assume we all probably will assume that. Uh, you know, gaming will be all online to some degree 50 years down the track, just the way kids are nowadays. But the reality is you don't kill the golden goose now. No. You while, let it, like you people, let it, yeah. yeah while I mean, people World of Warcraft playing, still, still takes monthly subscriptions. You know what I yeah, mean? Like yeah. it's not the most popular game or model, but if it makes money oh, 100%, <laughs> but and it has diehard fans, you just keep it going till it doesn't go anymore. Yeah, exactly. And there's... You know, like I was saying, like you don't kill the golden goose now. There's so many players that want to play paper magic or play paper trading card games. I'm, In general, yeah. Yeah, I don't, not, you know, picking on those two, but Pokemon, Yu Gi Oh! Mm. People are still dying for interaction in their local game store. And you'll start to see that, you know, since the pandemic opened up, oh, it's opened up after the pandemic, people are rushing into game stores to try to get back in there again, you know, and just play games, anything, social interaction, geez, that, yep. that's, you know, the name of the game. So yeah. It's so important, like, without the LGS, you know, system, we would have never met or yeah, became yeah. friends. Like, some of my most cherished friends are all through the LGS. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think that's one of the things, you know, when I was working at Watsi and still working in this role is spending a lot of time with local game stores. You know, a lot of the... You know, you guys know is a lot of people get into running a game store not for the right reasons, um, you know, in the sense that it's a hobby or they're doing it because, you know, they don't want to work a nine-to-five gig. And it's a tough gig running a local game mm. store, you know. It's not easy and I, f- I feel for them, you know, especially, you know, during the pandemic. But even now after the pandemic, you know, you've got staff, you've got training, you've got, you know... Uh, marketing all these things that they need to do like ordering stock cash flow all these challenges and the thing is is that you want to make sure that you build the right community too like you know a a, a balanced community of competitive and casual play like i said it's not an easy gig for them such a unique um business like it's i don't know i've always thought what could i compare running an lgs to some other business like what maybe a pub no, be, not even. Not Pub, like, pubs print money. <laughs> yeah, but like a pub in a sense that you're selling. You, I guess you you're trying to cultivate your own community at a pub, and you're trying to get bums in seats so those yeah. people are. You know, I think do, I think it's more. It's it's probably closer to running like your local chess club. Mm. Like, it's not. But yeah, yeah, you could run the events and probably make some money. Yeah. But I think there's a very hard cap on like just running a store as a hobby. Yeah. Because we were talking about this before the cameras were rolling about yeah. LGSs in Sydney and if there's a gap and yeah. really there's not many large business LGSs in, in Australia. But, like the ones that... But there's so much... Um, there's so many facets to run LGS. There's, you know, mm. event organising, running events, community building retail you know cash flow whether you're doing you know drinks and food uh Mm. like yeah it's such a unique business i mean it's a typical retail business it's Mm. i mean a clothes shop would be the same so many stock items there's so much to worry about and stuff but they're not running events and organizing 
Yeah, they're not running outside a normal. Like it, it is a unique business. There's, I'm tr- I'm trying to think. Like, it doesn't yeah. seem to me that there's other businesses that you can compare it to. Yeah. Well, clo- but technically, like like in the sneaker world, they do their like release a big release every month, and people okay. have to come and ticketing and raffles. But but yeah, it's unique. I think mainly because I don't think there's many business people in the card world. Yep. There's a lot of card people in the running LGSs or, or miniatures people, gamers. Yep. But it's not like I think you're more likely in a closed store to find like a business person that maybe doesn't care about the fashion they sell, but yeah. they do the numbers. I think you have less numbers people in card games, and you have more hobbyists. Yeah, and that's probably it makes it more challenging because they're not looking Definitely. at minimizing and maximizing and, and timing sales and yeah. you, you know a lot of it ends up being the typical secondary market. Oh, can we? pre-order can we sell this at pre-order for higher than retail because it's going to be popular trying to pick and guess and time the market instead of just run it as a business yeah definitely i think this is the funniest thing and i know this is going to sound mean and some lgs go for it it's fun though it's fine when i say this (laughs) bring it um but you know i usually when i walk into an lgs and speak to the owner for a good 20 30 minutes i'm going to tell you i can pretty sure tell if this business is going to survive or not Mm. and it's not just survival, but like whether they're going to run it into the ground versus like have a proper exit strategy or whatever it is. It's just so sometimes you get in there, you have a chat to them and their priorities aren't. Yeah. Yeah. Their, their priorities are in the wrong place. You know, sometimes you'll see them sitting there playing video games behind the counter, mm. playing events. When there's like rubbish bins falls and no toilet in the yeah, bathroom like, and uh, no toilet paper in the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> You just see the way they run yep. their business. You know, there was, oh man, there was a store I walked into, and I'm not going to name mm. names, but uh, I did walk into a store, and it was like a miniature game store, and there was an open bottle of chloroform on the table. And this is a game where, like, kids come into the store. Could you imagine if you were a parent, and you walked in, and you saw that? And to be honest, I questioned the store owner about it, and he's just, yeah, it's fine. We use it to strip paint off miniatures. Sure. And I was like, yeah, that's nice. Maybe put the bottle yeah, cap yeah, back like, on. Maybe you don't leave it out on the table for so parents walk in and see that stuff like you know but it's just once again store owners you know like i said it's a tough gig mm. so i'm not I'm i think not i think it's tough also because of the community like card yeah. gamers gamers mm. they they love to talk about loyalty and and like they want the lgs and they support it and and then you hear them yeah going to the counter and buying a five dollar card it's like dude but it's on facebook for three bucks and yeah. i'm like dickhead listen yeah you want the store to survive. Correct. You pay him a ten dollar note and say keep the change. Yeah. You don't. You don't haggle the guy that has to pay rent, whose seats you sit in for free, whose playmats you stain with your KFC bag. You don't haggle over the. Fu- exactly. Do you know do you, well, that that. that I, I'm saying it's both ways. Oh it's yeah. Like if you're if like if I'm in your home. Yep. Uh, there's certain etiquette like yeah. i'll ask to take my shoes off like you did when you came in you 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 um generally ask before opening the fridge you yeah. show some respect yeah. but also if you end up staying here for three days on my couch <laughs> usually unless you're like in very hard straits yeah but we're talking about gamers who are playing a, a fairly expensive luxury hobby yeah. If you're like doing really well, but you missed your flight and you need to crash in, you end up here for three days. Most people reach into their pocket. Yeah. Do you correct. know what I mean? Like, I'm in your house. I've used everything for free. You fed me. You, you, there's walls. There's a roof over my. You just go. You know what? Like, Look, I'll, I'll buy you something. Or 100%. you know, someone gives you a lift. You give them some money for fuel. Card gamers, 
so shrewd and frugal because like the secondary market attitude instead of just going, you know what? Like I know I can save 50 bucks buying this off the secondary market, but I'm going to buy it at retail here in the store right now. A hundred percent. I mean, look, the one thing I say to everybody out there is go support your local game store. Mm -hmm. If you... If you enjoy the games you play or enjoy the friends that you've met there, yes. especially, you know, support your local game stores. It's so it's important. too late when they put the for sale sign up. Oh, like, yeah, that's correct. way too far gone. Yeah, exactly. they should they shouldn't get to that point if they have a if if they've built the community. The money comes from the community. Yeah, definitely, and it's also about having dialogue with the stores as well. Yep. I think it's important as a consumer and somebody who plays there, talk to the owners. If there's things that you don't like or you want to change, just have a conversation with them yep. you know I, I am a proponent of letting my money do the talking but i think the thing about local game stores is they're special places yep. that you know are really important in you know all card markets you know like i'm in distribution and trust me without local game stores my business doesn't exist you yep. know but the same thing the communities it's so important that you know you build a good relationship with your, your stores because to be honest there are stores that people will tolerate i will say the gamer is very tolerant but i will say is, is if once you find that game store and you want to hang out there and you're talking about retailers like you know that sell clothes and stuff i think and and bars as an example you know you got to hang out i think that's the one thing that's different is people when they want to get away from work and you want to get away from the stresses of everyday life that's the place you can kind of go to to hang like when we chilled out on like weekends and stuff and played games we would just talk shit you know whatever the, the latest movie that came out you know the latest video games that would come out would play some games in between and you know that that's that's what it was about like your local game store you know it wasn't I'll, always I'll, I'll give you a very good example of this so i'm not going to name stores not going to name names but you know geez i remember this like it was yesterday it was a while ago maybe 2014 yeah game store in sydney closed yeah the game store was a dump okay uh-huh. dirty unmotivated owner you know uh entitled patrons yep that just sat around, used and abused, treated it, you know, just, it was a shit show, right? A complete shit show. However, though, certain things in there were very cheap, okay? When it came to, like, cans of soft drink and, you know, chips and, you know, certain things were really cheap. Store went under, Mm. under. big surprise, Mm. you know, closed down. I could have seen that like you. I can go into a game store and within 10 minutes I can tell you when I think the game store is going to close the stores. And... I'd been there a couple of times. Like, for example, I met many, many years ago, we're talking like 2009, I remember I went into this store and there was a board game I wanted mm. and he didn't have it. And I said, okay, I'll, I'll or, you know, can you order it for me? And I was happy to pay up front. Yep. He goes, no, 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 I'll take, take the money. He said, I'll call you next week. Never called me. <laughs> Two weeks, I called him. I called him three, four times. Hey, where's it? And he just, and then after that, I'm just like, no, yeah, no, fuck won't it. even and then, take your money. And then I went in there like a f- maybe four months later and the game was sitting there on the shelf. <laughs> but I'd bought it somewhere else. And I'm like, fuck, man. All you had to do is call... Like, <laughs> I'm trying to give you I'm my money. I'm trying to give you my bloody money. Anyway, so this store went under. I noticed a few of those players, uh, uh, they were miniature players, a lot of miniature players yep. at the store, were f- trying to find a new home. Mm-hmm. They came to my LGS that I was spending a lot of time at and there was a miniature tournament on. No joke. Uh, they went up to the drinks fridge 
They got a couple of cans because there was no price. You know, yep. there's no price on our drink fridge. You have to get it and then go in and they scan it and tell you how much it is. They got a couple of cans. They went up to the counter. The The person that scanned them wasn't the owner, just one of their workers scanned them. Don't know the exact price, but it was like 50 cents more than what they were paying at their old LGS. The two guys looked at each other and goes, what a ripoff. Our <laughs> old store was charging 50 cents. Left. They took the cans Walked back to the fridge, put them in there. I looked at them and go, no wonder your game store closed. <laughs> yeah. I said that to yeah. them. I yeah. could not believe it. I Imagine said, no, that's your, your locals. I said, no wonder your store closed. And they didn't have, they they literally looked at me like, like they couldn't believe I said that to them. But I'm like, you know, you're the reason why your store was the way it was, you yeah. know. Um, you're part, that, uh, yeah. like part of it. Yeah. Part yeah, of it. Yeah, the, owner, the, owner the owner had something owner. to do. The, the, yeah, the way I see it, like, it, let, let's say, um, like, uh, told to me, you own a game store. Mm. Why, am I, why am I haggling with you? Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, you by default will probably look after me. Especially, but, but, but then, like, we're friends. Like, if anyone you shouldn't haggle with is the people you're closest to. Do you, do you know what yeah, I mean? It, it's a fine line as well because some game stores overstep the mark and rip off their patrons. No, but then, so, but but then if you you're just a, don't spend money. Like course. I don't feel like... So, yeah. so I don't think... And, and this is something I have a lot of experience because I've been in sales my entire adult life. I'm a professional buyer and seller of things, mm. right? There is no solution to this by fucking haggling. Yeah. So you go up and you give feedback. I've yeah. done it. I've gone, hey, like yeah. we did this at um at Jolt in Canberra. Yep. Mm. Can we buy an uprising box? We're gonna open a box on the drive home. Yep. Crack one, addicts. 135. And we go, look, we've been buying them for 120, which by the way, we can buy them for 110 in most places. But mm. we're like, we can buy them at 120 at our local. Like it's 10%. Yeah. But it's just, will you match it? No, no problem. Yep. Because I have absolutely no right to expect the discount. Of course. It's not my fucking stock. It's his stock. I don't know what his rent is. I don't know if he's in debt and needs to pay debt off to keep the doors open. You don't know. You can ask. Yeah. But what I'm saying is the haggle, like the, the expectations. See, it's not my local. So I feel no need to overspend. The difference is if I was at Ollie's yeah. and it goes 135, I would pay it. Yeah. Because I, I don't mind him. Making, see, this is the difference in rip off. What mm-hmm. he's, I don't mind them making 15, but if you feel ripped off, like if, if you're struggling financially, which I'm not, so that yeah. does change the thing. Yeah, but if, of course, if of the course. 15 Everybody. bucks is like you're gonna have buyer's remorse, yeah, just don't buy it there. Expecting him to come to your level yeah. is what's strange about it all. Because, by the way, in any retail scenario, if the stock sits on the shelf long enough, the price comes down. Yeah. You haggling is not going to do it. Yeah. Just leave it. Yeah, definitely. And look, uh, we've all been in the game long enough. If you really want to get something cheaper, you can go somewhere else and get it cheaper. The, the it's reality, always cheaper. Yeah, the, but the thing is, is like I said, support your local game store. That's where you play your games. Mm. That's where you're going to meet your friends. And also... It's where you're going to play your games, essentially. Like, if you want people to rock up on a Friday, that place closes down. You're going to have to find another place to play. So, you know, but like I said, you know, store owners have got a tough gig. I think one of the things is is that, you know, we were saying before that a lot of them are part of the community in the sense Mm. that they're gamers and stuff. They do need to think of their 
business sometimes more as a than, business yeah as a business as opposed to just being gamers because sometimes they're even afraid to like raise the price on things sometimes i i wonder how stores but, make but this money is why I, this is why i say that from my experience and yeah. I'm, i still consider myself an outsider it's the community not the stores yeah. for that because you should understand if the art like we go to some armories that charge ten dollars give you two packs yeah which is to me stupid like why man like, yeah like most ch- people charge 15. And one place charges five, but it with gives no one pack. pack. One, okay, but same rate. That's mm. a stupid rate is what I'm saying. You don't need to be that cheap. Yeah, of course. But other stores are charging 15 for one. Yeah. And then some, you go to their freaking skirmish. Yep. It's $35 for none. And you're like, <laughs> why is there such a big gap? Where, and and it's, it's, they need to, there, there's a, I think 15 for one. Yep. Is, is it like that's the median mm. that's fine like yep. you're making 10 bucks i'm getting five bucks worth back but if i you know plus the armory promo and stuff it's probably 15 dollars worth of value for the player yeah definitely because I, I remember land cafe times yeah. which we'd all remember mm-hmm. you paid for time yeah yeah, yeah that's correct. what game stores were for me growing up with because it wasn't a card game it was i paid x amount per hour because i figured i'm using a computer and eventually they have to replace it so more or less they're charging me some to make money some goes towards maintaining the equipment in the store of course game stores need to have that mentality a little bit oh sorry the the, we do yeah because you're still renting a chair you're renting a table you know what i mean like still paying for time yeah Yeah. exactly i think it's funny is a lot of store owners need to think about the community that they support if if your community you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, this is something. Invest your up. time elsewhere. Yeah, like <laughs> this is the thing: is like some game, some stores, for example, want to promote a, a a competitive community, right? Yes. So all the prizes are top end versus a casual community, and so yeah. on. So everything that you charge and what you do is all relative comes down to, to that. Yeah, yeah, relative to your community, because you know, to be honest, I've seen places where they try to get rid of all their casuals do it the other way around that'll backfire you know try to get rid of all their competitive players and i think ultimately the best i've actually seen it done is when they can um get both communities yeah. going at the same time you know look this is a, a plug to a store out there and the, the, if they listen they'll know but they used to run like a friday night magic and they used to have a competitive and a casual uh, when they had enough people and what would happen is that if you won the casual it's almost like all right that's the initiation it's time for you to <laughs> you, you you're now no longer allowed to play in the kiddie pool anymore you go yep. up to the competitive it's not a bad place, idea right? you know and we do that in jiu-jitsu yeah, yeah. because there's belts and yep. and most 99 percent of people in jiu-jitsu are doing it for fitness and community and a little bit of self it's not to yeah. compete our world you know yeah so there's usually in jiu-jitsu there's like upstairs is the newbie class yep and downstairs is a bit more hardcore you can expect you have to go harder on this mat yep. or you can go upstairs is more social yep. and it does help grow the gym yeah because yes you get the transition usually people that were in the casual and they're like you know i feel like going a little harder Now, I'm going to add an alternate point of view on that because I think I know what um, Brennan's referring to, (laughs) store. Now, prior to that, that store would do a single Friday night magic, right? Mm. Like a single armory for Fab, like a single big one. They had huge numbers. We're talking, you know, this is back when... 30, 40 players. Even 50 plus, they'd have F&Ms. Like, it was huge. Like, magic... People don't understand. When magic was pumping, it was pumping. You'd You'd have a dozen stores in Sydney running effing, like a tournament on the same night, every night of the week, not like armories. They can run them whenever they want. Imagine armories having to be run all on the same night, mm. dictated by LSS. So 
I'd like that to be honest. So so Magic used to have to do that. You had to run all your F and M's on a Friday, and you know there would be a dozen, maybe more stores in Sydney running them. And at one point, I don't think a single store would get less than twenty people, mm. and there were plenty of stores mm. getting 30, 40 plus. Yeah. That's how it ma- forces you to grow your local rather it, than expect it was the massive. same group. Yeah. Anyway, this store was consistently getting over forty for their F and M's consistently. Mm. Right. Sometimes fifty five plus, and they had a single single pod. Now I understand why they switched it to uh, serious versus um, competitive, because you had a lot of people that would attend, um, like those packs and Supernova and cosplay, you know. And Magic would have booths set up. They'd go there, get their intro decks, and they'd be like, "Okay, where do we go play these decks? Oh, go to the Friday Night Magic." And they'd rock up at these events, and they'd go zero four, yeah. And then they would never come back. Yeah. Okay, like. That's what this owner told me why they changed it. However, though, once they did change the two pods, it's not just the reason why. It did shrink over the years. But I found it very weird because you had people that should have been playing in the serious pod were not. Not saying they were winning the casual pod. Sure, sure. The actual true casuals um, were not doing. And I'm like, okay. Why are people playing like tier one decks in the casual tournament yep. and always finishing in the top four? They shouldn't be there. But it wasn't regulated. No one was told yep. where to play. And then eventually what happened was the serious pod slowly shrinked and shrinked and shrinked and shrinked and shrinked in the casual pod. And I would bring new players to the to this tournament and put them in the casual pod. And they'd be playing tier one decks all night. Yeah. And they'd say to me, hang on a sec, I thought this was a casual, yeah. you know. So I've, I've had a... a very opinion. weird. It's yeah, very weird. I've, I've been trying to get a, a face-to-face meeting with James White since I started <laughs> playing. Hopefully this week. Well, you're flying over to New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, It's one thing I want to ask. So they had the Ira decks, mm. which was supposed to be a learn-to-play tool for stores. Yeah. And, and you and I spoke about... Um, there's a bit of nomadic culture in Fab where like if there's seven days a week and seven armories, you yeah. tend to get people jump rather, right? So like one store that's doing the best job grows a community is also, not that we discussed it specifically, but yeah. also if, if you have one store in Sydney doing all the work and recruiting, yeah. that store is then now giving players to every other store. Like, cause those people just go to other armories. My, my thought process is where is the learn to play armory kit? Yeah. At least once a month. Where, but but the and the fix, by the way, is a hunt. The store owner has to police oh, it. The store owner should be like, "Oh, hey, tall Timmy, how you doing? What deck are you playing? No, you're not playing that deck in this tournament. Yeah. Here's a blitz deck from behind the counter, a commoner deck. Go play that. Mm. Like you should not. Oh yeah, the money's not worth it. You learn to play should be. I don't want to say like a max power level because it's hard to, to control. Regulate. You can 100% say no legendaries. You can say that in Fab. You can go, you can play whatever deck you want, yeah. no legendaries. Because that way a new player will turn up and, and not have legendaries. I think commoner is like the way they're trying to do it. Yeah. I think as a store owner, if you know your communities well enough... It you shouldn't can, be a problem. Yeah, it shouldn't be an issue to, yeah. to match up similar... This skills. owner was hands-off though. Yeah, yeah. that yeah. was so, the problem. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. To me, it's easy to fix because you should... that like Talk about jujitsu again. Yeah. It's belts, right? And yeah, it's yeah. years. You need X amount of years. Like you yeah. can't train for less than 10 years and get a black belt, for instance. So if you see a... Like people do do it in jiu-jitsu. They'll don a white belt and go to a competitor gym and just yeah. fuck everyone yeah. up. 
But it's very obvious if you're paying attention. And it's very, very easy for someone who knows to just pick you out of the crowd and go, I can see what you're playing. Get out. You're not like, this isn't for you. I think in in this instance, just to unpack a few things, I think if you're a store owner, once again, you don't want to get your new players and feed them to the wolves, right? Like, you know that group of people in the corner that are sitting there practicing for the pro tour, right? And the last thing you want them to do is go 04. Spike a... Yeah. (laughs) It's not about going 04. To be dead honest, right? Like, I think when I first started, I think I didn't win a game for like 40 or 50 games. It was like trial by fire to the point where I was like, this is it. Open my wallet. I'm buying like, <laughs> I'm buying some cards to get me out of this funk, right? Did or, it work? Or, or, oh, it did. Uh, it I mean, works I mean, in magic. Yeah, yeah. No, but it works in fab. I feel like if you, if you get everything down pat, but you're missing the big pieces, yeah. your game will change, but you, you, it, you can learn the basics without your legendaries is what I, I'm trying to say. I think it's a combination of both mindset sure. changes. Cause once you start, you're more confident. It, it's too. just like, okay, I'm going to build this deck. I'm going to make sure that, <laughs> you know, I'm optimizing it the best I can. So I don't lose those games by you know the variance in the game but also you give yourself every chance turn three Liliana baby let's go like you're giving yourself every chance to (laughs) win but I think the the point that you're bringing up around the armor events and uh, this is not if anybody from LSS is not a dig right because (laughs) Watsi hasn't figured it out either and and every other company I don't think they've figured it out either but the one thing is that I'm seeing which is probably not healthy and I'd love to you know your audience to give feedback around it is is how we can fix these nomadic communities because at the moment what I'm seeing and it's not necessarily a healthy thing and so for example my understanding is that you run an FNM or you run an armory and you can run it any day of the week and so the players are chasing these promos and the same with magic they used to do the same thing you chase these promos it's xp as well because an armory modifies your xp to three per win because you run as many events as you want but it's x3 uh, times three for yep correct so what you would do is you'd go monday which store am i going to go to tuesday what Mm. store i'm going to you do this all the way through the week up to the amount of events that any player would play so if your tolerance level is like i'll play three events this week you know i'm going to probably pick all the stores which I think I can win at uh, versus getting pounded in. And then I'm going to be like this nomadic player that just bounces between these stores. So that loyalty to that local game store is diminishing. So if there is a game store that has the community, that has the right size or can run multiple events, they should be able to. I just figured it out in my head. Okay, cool. You have to select your game, your local store. Oh Yeah, there you go. So you go in the gym? I'm actually serious. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong. That's why I'm just going to say yeah. it out loud. If you on gym have to select your local store, okay? yep. my local, not local, like where you want to play most often. Yeah. It'll also give some credence to that store. Yeah. Because if like 50 people pick one store, yeah. but then it's the only store you get three times XP in. Yeah. How good would that be? That's a good That's a good system. Because yeah. uh, then you can be as nomadic as you want, but and you can change your local store yeah, if yeah, you yeah. want. But what you can't do is change it every week like they can put a limit on how often you can change the store yeah because my idea is that if your if your store is big enough and your community is big enough to run that many events because run people a couple more yeah be able to run more and support it with the right sort of prize support now i'm not saying that there's probably some back-end logistics where people who are listening to this at lss or wizards are tearing their hair out because they're just <laughs> like we can't give them like five million promos and i get that i get that but i think the idea is that a lot of store owners like we we're saying before it's a tough gig 
you know, they're going out there investing time and money building these communities and it's hard to go against the grain of, hey, I'm doing all this support. They come in on a Monday, you know, I'm promoting it, I'm yep. doing all this stuff and then Tuesday they don't rock up for the next event because yep. the shop down the road is running a different... Well, I, th- I think they just have this double-edged double, double edged sword. They LSS is so good with their armory kits. Yeah. Like the new armory kits are mind-blowing. Like, yeah, dude, they're sweet. So sexy the yeah. play every and there's there's added Marvel playmats where it's rare. Yeah, <laughs> it's right. It, it's getting crazy how many playmats are out there. I walk into local yeah. games. Did you you should. It. I'll show you my storage. Uh, I don't uh, have a. Someone needs to make a proper storage solution <laughs> yeah. for these things. But yeah. the problem with the three times XP in the Armory promos is, is why would I come back to Gosford um, Blood Rush Gaming? Mm. It's an hour drive. It's where I'd like to play. Yeah. But when it's one XP, no armory promos. Yeah. Now, the issue is XP is used for a lot of it. Like I made it to Pro Tour by XP. Yeah, cool. It's good and bad because yeah. I couldn't have done it by playing in my local yeah. three, four times a week. I had to go to four different stores. So I, look, it's the benefit of spreading the love and, and four stores get to make some money off me rather than one make four times the money. But it's got the negative effect of... Yeah not rewarding the extra stores doing it well and not promoting. So I think stores will sit on their ass a bit more if they get 15 people every week, even though they're really only coming for promos, not for the experience. Yeah, and that's the problem, like I say. You know, when I say support your local game store, you should, you know, the idea is to go to your... The Pick place a store. That you learnt, yeah, the yeah. place that you learnt to play the game, where you play, where your friends all play. But yeah, at the moment, I, I don't necessarily think this nomadic community thing is a good thing. I mm. think in the long run, the other thing too is I don't like spending money in stores that I don't want to support their business yes. either. So it's it's the reverse. Like I want to spend my money in the stores that I enjoy, I like. It's usually know. like a select couple. It's yeah, not, correct. It's not every store in Sydney. Yeah, correct. Especially in Sydney. And like Good Games sponsor my channel. So I'm, I'm like my my other channel and, and I, I have like nothing against them but I know as as community goes there's this big franchise group of stores yep. versus independents too yeah, yeah. and most people would prefer to support an independent than go into a good game store like there's and that you can't argue with that yeah, if there's like a you can't I usually yeah once but again, you don't get the choice sometimes yeah. is what I'm saying if yeah. you're trying to make it to Nats hmm. you have to go Exactly. To more than one store to make the XP. Like you won't compete with me if you go to one store only all week. Yeah. But I, I don't, maybe also because the game, the player base is still small. Mm-hmm. Like what I'm saying is if you if you look at a spreadsheet and mm. you go there's 100 players in Sydney. Yep. If all, if it was FNM, Friday Night Flesh and Blood, right? Yep. FN Fab. Yep. If it was that, you would have 100 divided by 15. Yeah, okay. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Maybe worse because yep. some stores would get two players and some would get 20. Yep. But if if right now, because of the smaller player base, the Nomadic makes sense till it grows to it. Like there, there's yeah. a point where also yeah, a if point. you had 10,000 yeah, yeah. players in Sydney, like probably Magic does or more, you, can, you can't have them Nomadic because you cannot fit yeah. 100 players in a store every night. So yeah. what you do is you go to one night and there's 100 stores and then you end up with... Yeah. It's split. But. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm not against players going and visiting other stores, but I do have this thing around a sense of loyalty of your local game store. And at the moment, like I said, I don't think there's a solution. I'm sure mm. there's the smarter people out there that might have a better idea. But I'm one of those smarter people. So I've been saying... <laughs> I've been saying for... There he is. I've been saying for... 
Jeez, I think I made a video on this a year ago. Yeah, yeah. A, it's not a solution, but something I just love to see. Yeah. And I really think everyone wins yeah. with this. Is give me a limited armory yeah. once a week that a store can run. So they have a constructed armory yeah, that yeah. can either be blitz or classic. That's what I'm saying. And and do then, once a month learn to play armory. He's yeah, a yeah. different type of yeah. and I, kit. I, yeah. I'd love to see a monthly kit. Doesn't have to be as flash as mm. the constructed armory kit. Maybe there's no mats, just promos. Yeah. So it's cheap for you LSS to send cool? out. And then it's limited. So not only does LSS yep. sell more product, distribution sells yep. the store does, people build their collections, and it also cultivates a, a drafting community. Mm. Okay. And so you can get you can go to your local shop twice a week, get your times three XP twice a week. Playing limited and constructed. Mm. I would I, love I th- to I see that. I think what I actually this is Call it not going else. to be popular, but I actually believe the three XP is the trap. Is that is that? Do yeah. you think that's the? Yeah, because if it was the same XP, like b- because Blitz is what most shops run their armory as, and Blitz is so random. Like the best player in the room does not always win. Yeah. The best deck in the room doesn't always win. It's yeah. the variance in Blitz is two three turns. Yeah. I I think. If it was just so, if they just went to one XP for mm. all events, three XP for skirmishes and up, and rather than like it going th- one for an on demand, here's what I'm saying: no yeah. one runs on demand. That's yeah, a simple yeah. thing. The one XP events, yeah. I, I think I've been in one ever. Yeah. The three XP and then goes to six for the top events. Just just tone the numbers down because mm-hmm. if if armories were always one XP, yeah. w- there's not much difference in drafting on a Tuesday on an on-demand and forget the promos for a second. Yeah. It's like we draft downstairs in this building. Why do we do that? Because like going to a store for one XP per win is not worth us all meeting in a store. We just meet here whenever we want rather okay. than organize it with a store. I think um the other thing they could easily do is like I said, do you nominate your store. Yeah. That's where you get your three times XP. So you're incentivized to go to that once a week armory. Yeah. And maybe make it your XP in that store. The store has like, because we talk about badges on the side yeah. and stuff. What if you got store XP? Like it's the same XP, but because they have the data. <laughs> and then you actually get a, a, like a little promo pack yeah. for every 100 XP you hit in that store. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because then again, you can go play wherever you want. But but you're incentivized. No, keep going back to Blood Rush. Get that thousand XP okay. from the store, and then there's many ways. The thing to is, skin Flesh the and cat. Blood, like the yeah. cost for for these promos and stuff is fairly low. I mean, look, you know, just for anybody listening yeah. on the podcast and uh, any store owners, look, I reckon you can definitely go out there and build a community to do limited without all this as yeah, well. With, yeah, yes. without all the prizes. Yeah. Like to be dead honest, you can probably. Look, store owners are pretty innovative. They can find promos and play mats from somewhere yep. to, to run these mm. events. So you don't probably need to go to, to LSS directly, but and, and build like a draft community. I think the three X XP thing is that it's a different. That's, a, that's what I mean. That's it's a, a little bit of a trap, yeah. right? So like, if that's a big motivator for your player base, by all means, probably reach out to the LSS. competitive one. The yeah, competitive yeah. one, and, and and you know, you know the idea voices. I just had. What the best armory would be. Imagine if LSS every every month sent out Iridex. No foils, nothing, but like ran, not randomized. Like the team they builds, they go, let's build these four heroes. Yeah, we're gonna send sixteen decks to every store. <laughs> Maybe the store has to buy it, but that's your that's your learn to play. Like you just rock up. You don't know what's in the kit. You just open and go. All right, I'm playing Bravo today. <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny. This is 
this is you've got your player hat on. Yeah. There's somebody at LSS right now listening to this. Going nuts. Running the numbers, <laughs> just going, oh, the print run of this thing is just going to be freaking insane. The amount of money this is going to cost. Well, actually, the funny thing is, if you, if I, I know what the answer is, if you did it in commoner, <laughs> yeah. you don't need LSS because yeah, yeah. I've got 10,000 yeah, commons yeah, yeah. in the house. Like you could. <laughs> Easily make it happen without LSS. It's just, like you it's said just that little twitch in my no, head. No, hundred percent. Yeah, it's, it's always like you know, it's funny, right? Like because LSS gives away playmats. Wizards never do that anymore. Yeah. Like they got rid of it for champ. You know, the store champs mm-hmm. and stuff because of the cost around it and and the kits, right? And every single Tight time, asses. Look, they they probably they can probably afford it. Oh yeah, that's right. Like the Hasbro the co- Hasbro didn't want any yeah, of that. But what you know what that is? A- some accountant, I guarantee you, some accountant looked at a line on the account sheet. Goes, we spent two hundred thousand on playmats. What's our return on that? And so, and then they're like, oh, there's no return. We give those out. They're like, oh, well, that's because yeah, yeah, the yeah. thing with public companies, same as sales, right? Yeah. Same as most management consulting. If they can turn around and go to their boss, see, I saved us two hundred thousand. They oh. earn their Christmas bonus, and that's it. Like that's that's all that person that scratched that off. Yeah. Modern economics. No, no, I'm is telling you, that's all it is. They're not thinking it's about exponential yeah. growth. If you're yeah. not showing growth year on year, yeah. your company Even share price that goes 200K down. Even though that two hundred k in that they spent probably brought in a million dollars worth of turnover for those stores that gave them away. You're, you're pretty, they don't care about that. You're pretty close to the. I know. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, usually what it is is it's it's, it's a line. Somebody a has a budget yeah, and yeah, yeah. uh you know if you're hitting a number at the end of the year the budget's good but if it's not somebody needs to cut you know i, I know it's somewhere. just it's actually about bonuses yeah. it's not even it's not even complicated it's yeah. like someone wanted to make an extra 15k for themselves <laughs> so you never got a play mat after that moment that's it but yeah, but those things, you know, it's funny that you say that play mat, about the playmats is because when they did get rid of them, those were special. You know, I used that store playmat for a very long time because yep. the amount of people I had to beat, you know, <laughs> to get that to thing. Get it, yeah. Oh my God. Can I just tell you, I was just like, you know, you're just sweating it on the final game and you just, the playmats worth nothing. Let's be honest. But the it's, fact that yeah. who you beat yes. and how you took them down in your local game. That's store, what I love. Like Flesh and Blood yeah. have these, like, sure, the armory yeah. oh. at, at a very, like, Small level, it's amazing winning an armory playmat or earning it. Yeah. Because yeah. you don't win every week. Yeah, yeah, mm. of course. But then, you know, Pro Tour competitors got, they didn't announce that nothing. Then you get a harder find or no lines oh, well, Pro I'm Tour playmat, Being right? a young Timmy in Magic, if I sat across from an opponent and they oh, yeah. and they whipped out their Pro Tour playmat, <laughs> I'd be shaking in my boots. Can I'd be like, oh, no, can <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get spanked. You know, spanked. It's, it's funny that you say that. You know, I, there was one of the, there was this time when I used to play competitive card games where it got to the point where you were playing, right? And whether it was at your local game store or somewhere else, right, you'd sit across from your friend and normally when you're just testing, you just play casually, right? But you're like, I'm not losing to you. <laughs> so they like I'll, I'll shout out there's Chris Thompson, Mitch, oh yeah, uh, Mitch know, Brad, uh, Mitchell O'Keefe. I'm Judge. kidding, I know. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Filthy Kano player. But the thing is, you, you sit down and the game starts to turn super serious because yep. you don't want to lose to your friends because you know they're good, <laughs> right? You know they're good, and they yep. know they like they can go toe to toe with you, and it's just like you don't want to misplay, you don't want to because it's almost like. Semi bragging rights yeah, in your yeah, head, yeah. and it's just like, yeah, I kicked your ass. <laughs> I got you last time. You know the you know the way it is. And oh, so we talk about some negatives. Tell me, obviously, you you've sort of um, switched camps. Yeah, yeah, one would say. When did you find out about Flesh and Blood? Uh, I've always known about it, even when I was working at Wizards. Um, so Flesh about like 2018, 2019? It was yeah, it before yeah. it came out, or yeah, when it first came out, it was like the new kid on the block, mm. and. 
you know, uh, somebody described it to me as an old game called UFS. I've um, heard this. Yeah, yeah. so because it had like a blocking system in it. Um, but obviously it's way different. It's actually a much better game than that. Oh, actually, I, d- I did like UFS as well. But like... Fab's very good to play. Like yeah, even yeah. as a non-card player, when if someone explains Magic and explains oh. Fab, Fab appeals to me to play more. Yeah, yeah. It, Magic does because it's 30 years old. Yeah. And I would love to like... It's same as like any PC game with that many expansion packs. Oh, of course. You're like, oh, I'd love to do it, but it's too far gone. Yeah, you got Flesh and Blood's fun to play. Yeah, definitely. And and the thing was, when it was the new kid on the block, it had first edition, and I just was like straight away working it was, I was like, it's going to be a PCR nightmare. <laughs> like, you know, figuring out the print runs for these things. How is the community going to like receive it? I heard that there were cards that were going for fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 or some craziness. And, and I was like, Jesus, what the hell? going on over there but it was making enough noise so that yep. you still had to pay attention and uh one thing i'll probably say before anybody sh- like you know screams at me for being like a uh oh you know one camp or the other i actually love all trading card yep. games like pokemon Yu-Gi-Oh, magic I-, I want them all to do well because the the one thing about it is it's still a culture yeah yeah it still comes under one bracket whether you only play one or not yeah but the yeah. thing is is where do you think that new flesh and blood player is going to come from correct you know, they they're not always going to just walk off the street sometimes they're going to be playing pokemon on a saturday you know they're 15 that's all they've known and they see a group of people having fun playing flesh and blood exactly. or magic or Yu-Gi-Oh, right it's where most and of the new players we meet come from is yeah. they saw us play they yeah, ask a few yeah. questions. They get given a blitz deck. Yeah, exactly. And you yeah. have some fun. And so when all the card games are doing well, it's best for everyone. Best yeah. for the local game store and so on. So, you know, when I was working at Wizards, yeah, like I was saying, I heard about Flesh and Blood. I probably didn't start playing it. Actually, in all honesty, it was um, Paul here that, that got me onto the... Oh, I, mean, he oh, was, I annoyed everyone in yeah, our group. Yeah, he he was like the 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 champion for, for flesh and blood in our group, and he was he was pushing it uphill too because our group is a magic group. Right? They were about to kick me from the chat. Yeah, that's yeah. what I found out. He he was he he was full on on it, and but I think the one thing that we all got, he was very passionate about it. Like the the tall yep. Timmy videos, and <laughs> and it's funny, like for people out there behind the scenes, you think that the tall Timmy is a character. It's not a character. It's just an extension of Paul, right? <laughs> like split personality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if if he has too much, you know, red cordial, that's 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 the tall Timmy. <laughs> that's my default. Yeah, but but the thing is, is he was very passionate about the game. Actually, it's it's probably not he was very passionate about flesh and blood. He was very passionate about organized play, mm. like the the direction. And he was very vocal about it. And probably, to be honest, I was probably sitting there defending Watsi at the time. Oh, yeah, yeah, we'll get it sorted. It was the pandemic. We're just blaming it on that. And, you know, we'll, we'll get it right. We'll get it right. And then, you know, we weren't getting it right. And, and you know, I think he could really see the direction that yep. uh, Flesh and Blood were going in and, and doing, like, hitting all the right notes, if that made sense, like between the callings and the Pro Tour and these sorts of things. And once again, I think it's communication, right? I think Flesh and Blood have done a really good job in like know where you stand right so what do i need to do to get to here right and and like aspire to be you know a professional player or a pro player or or whatever you want to do have fun playing the game that journey is very clear for a lot of flesh and blood players and i think that's you know i'm only speaking on your behalf but i think that was very clear for paul and um or 
talking. We got a, we got a few in our group over the line. Yeah, yeah. I managed to get a few of them. Yeah, yeah. You did. Yeah. You did. You converted a lot of them. Well, so I bet you when I was working at Watsy at the time, I'm like, shit, what's going on? People are converting. Look, I, they're I, converting I, outside the group too. Yeah, what's was, going on? I was, I was, I was Bible bashing <laughs> them with the Fab Law book. <laughs> get over Funnily here. enough, I'm, I'm very conscious of people doing that because Bible bashing doesn't work. Uh, but this is a stubborn. No, 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 no. But, but yeah. I, I have noticed since I started playing the very first time I bought, well, not the very first time, um, but very early on, walked into a store, bought some fab, a lot of it because I, I'm, I spend a lot on yeah. fab, and we were on the counter. That that's a lot of cases. Like what for? I just like opening. It. They're like, man, that game's dead. It sucks. Like you should. No, no. Literally, what I know store owners. Uh, we're talking about f- no, no. Stuff oh, oh, even yeah. worse to me because like shut the fuck up you don't pay the bills like give me give me the product like you should not be talking me out yeah, of yeah. a five thousand dollar purchase right now that's not your job yeah that's rough especially because I'm from a sales background yeah. like don't lie to me that it's good yeah. if you don't believe so don't say it's good but my wallet's out like yeah. just send me the product take my money and um same people yeah same people asking me when they can come play because they built a briar deck and they want to oh, play okay cool and you know where that comes from. I'm not saying your method's not working. I'm saying both work. Oh, yeah. yeah. But but the, every year the game lasts, even I noticed some Rudy mm-hmm. videos yeah. on Reddit, people start going, like literally on the last Rudy video with Uprising, because Uprising's insane to open, yeah. right? People going, you know what? When you first talked about Flesh and Blood, I was like, nah, it'll die like every other card game. Three years down, I think I can see myself with some in my collection. And the and other half of our group that hasn't got into Fab will. yet... They will in a matter of time. But by they're the way, just, Will just doesn't even require them to spend money. Will needs them to accept that it's it here to stay. Exactly. That, yeah. That's it. Just acceptance. Yeah. Like going, you know what? It must be good because we're three years in. His YouTube channel is growing. Give, give it two <laughs> or three years. Exactly. No pandemic. Full yeah. organized play. Yeah. Multiple world championships. Yes. The other half of people we know will come in. Well, yeah. I think that's part of it because... As I said, for my journey, is like a lot of them have seen it too. Like card games, come they disappear. And go. Like, why would I go with? Especially when you so because uh, I have a question to follow this up with. I can imagine you've been playing Magic for ten years, and yep. then fifty thousand dollar card in a two year old game. No, no. So, yeah. but and you're going wait. What's how much is like the best legendary? Like, and you're like wait. Decks are four thousand dollars. Yeah, people like, just think it's, it's a scam. Terri- yeah. No, no. Forget all that. Why would why would I spend four thousand dollars on a card game that might die? Mm. It's not. Forget yeah, everything yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. The risk is it'll crash, which it did. Yep. So, like, I'm a flesh and blood apologist, <laughs> LSS apologist. But yeah. really, if yep. you got into the game yep. in 2020. And you bought like you blinged out a deck for ten thousand dollars and bought Alpha E strikes and stuff at the height. Yep, it sucks for you. Mm. You may never, but if if you look yep. at the secondary market, yeah, right? Correct. If you're having fun, you still spent a lot for your time. Look even it. if you, but so the, the, what I'm saying is those people aren't all wrong. No, no. But now that the game is stable, if it stays the way it is now, where there's chase cards and there's money cards, and 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 it's good to play and like all of it mixed together it it doesn't need much selling anymore yeah just for the fact that it's around yeah definitely uh, and this is why i say like with like lss is like the wizards of the 90s is that i don't and i i could be mm. wrong but i don't think wizards cared about collectability back then it was just kind of like hey did we make a good game like yeah. mm-hmm. when this set comes out are people going to buy it because they enjoy drafting it enjoy yep. the new standard and i think now we've kind of the pandemic, and this is not just exclusive to trading cards, like sports cards, yep. everything, Crypto, like, everything. Yeah, like all collectibles. Secondhand cars. Yeah, 
yeah, collectibles just went through the roof. And I think people looked at the game, you know, when they were buying a $10,000 deck or, or what, you know, $50,000 card or whatever it is, is they were just really jumping on that collectability bandwagon. But honestly, at the end of the day, as long as it's affordable to come and play the game and mm. just play on a Friday night and have fun, they're your core audience. And that's what's going to ultimately grow your game at the end of the day. My yeah. question for you, what was, how was flesh and blood talked about inside of the wizards of the coast walls uh it's not so that's the thing <laughs> it's the it's the well shall, shall not, not be named. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's not even like that it's just wizards has a lot of its own challenges that it sure. needs to deal with right like so you're dealing with you know the pandemic was crazy for just distribution in the sense of like getting product into the country, yeah, yeah. you know, you know, everybody else is suffering because you're watching other companies' street dates get pushed back and those sorts of things. But I think, you know, once again, I think I can only speak for the Australian team, mm. but they have a very healthy attitude towards trading card games and, and competitors because, like I said, it's similar to my view is that, you know, we want them to do all well because, look, let's be honest, Wiz is not immune to it. They know that they've probably released a few sets that were underwhelming and when they do, the local game still hurts because they've either bought a whole bunch of product that they can't move, so they need Pokemon to do well, they need Yu-Gi-Oh to do well, they need Flesh and Blood to do well, so that, you know, they pay all their bills and they're still open the next sure, day. Sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but the other thing too is like, it's just that, once again, the same thing. It's like, where are your players coming from, right? Are they all going to come from just off the street? No, they're probably play Flesh well, and Wizards Blood. Wizards can't recruit people in the 90s anymore. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they got to so, find people now. Yeah. yeah, so where do they come from? So, you know, that just like, you know, Paul Plate used to play Magic, now he plays Flesh and Blood. So on and so on. Players will play Flesh and Blood, jump ship to play other games. It's just mm. the natural cycle of life. But I think one of the things is, yeah, just making sure you have a healthy card game, healthy community. What's What's your vision for Flesh and Blood in Southeast Asia over the next two years, three years? What What, what are your What's your vision? Yeah, look, it's it's a it's a developing market. There's a lot of opportunity in Southeast Asia. You know, the the one thing is, I'd like to see the first Pro Tour champion come from Southeast Asia. Oh yeah, hopefully, you know, Taiwan, Philippines. I got a I'm half fellow so you know i'd like to see a, a filipino champion come out one day but i think one of the things is the southeast asian market's right for flesh and blood because mm. they're a very competitive trading card game market like they're very mature when it comes to that they don't like losing you know <laughs> like commander doesn't exist there because nobody wants to play casually they just want to beat people's faces in and so flesh and blood you know is definitely going to do well in those markets but you know I, i'd like to see wink wink japan come online at some stage and oh, yeah. you know localization that, that just happened in europe is yeah. that as in, so it's, it seems very important in those regions like france needs french cards for some of their game stores refuse to stock english cards yeah is it like that in asia yeah definitely like uh, i can you know i can only attest for wizard's side um but yeah localization is extremely important especially japanese market mm. you know the thing is is that um they see it as like a westerners card game so when it's not in english uh sorry when it's in english they obviously have like a Yep. reluctance to it well i mean they have access to amazing games anyway right it's not like a oh they, they have so many card yes. games it's insane like they know? have ones we've never heard of i yeah, imagine yeah, yeah yeah definitely but i think you know localization in our market's probably extremely important uh so you know it'd be good to see that happen but even like south korea coming online yeah. at some stage so english in philippines south korea wouldn't be a problem i imagine uh, 
Philippines is good because like English is like a secondary mm. language for them. So and there's a lot of expats in that market. So a lot of them do their education overseas, come back to the Philippines, and and they tend to have a higher level of disposable income. So you know the cost of trading card games is is probably more accessible for them. Uh, and the Philippines is a big market. Like mm. once again, you know I'd love to see a calling there one day. Hopefully we get more players in that market, more stores embrace the game so that we can because there's no point putting a, a calling there or, or you know big events there if Without nobody's going to attend yeah. yeah people aren't going to attend so you know we've got singapore around the corner you know there's that'll be an opportunity for players from you know all the way from hong kong vietnam uh, australia as well yeah a bunch of us going before lil yeah, to to go over you know singapore and enjoy themselves and you know, once again, make, make some new friends, you know. Mm. And, and I think a lot of the judges are looking forward to finally catching up in the region as well. So, And the larger, the largest player base now in Southeast Asia, what country would we be looking at? Uh, I'd say Taiwan's pretty big. Like, in, in Southeast Asia, I think it's probably... It's hard to say, like, all the numbers because there's still a lot of, like, you know, kitchen table players, but I'd say Taiwan's pretty big. Hong Kong. Well, Hong Kong, I saw on Facebook uh, earlier this morning on the weekend had a road to Nat 63 players or 65 players. That's pretty damn good. I think you also, like, somewhere like Hong Kong will have a lot of people can travel in. Mm. That's a trick for LSS and and Mm. you to pick the right locations. Because, like, West Coast for us, way easier to get to. So, like, Nationals, if it's on the West Coast, makes... The Australian and New Zealand crowd much more likely to go yeah. to like, America. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, but I'm saying Hong Kong's pretty central. You can get to Hong Kong from anywhere in Asia fairly easy, right? Yeah. See, the hard part is, and once again, this is once yeah. again not you guys got your players' hats on. I, yeah. You know, my my. <laughs> That's why you're here. Like, we yeah. need we need friction. My, my TO slash distributor hat on. It sometimes you go to run these events and you're like, yeah, this is a really good time of year to run it. Why is the hotel so cheap? Why is all the flights so cheap? Oh, it's hurricane season. <laughs> Everything's being destroyed. <laughs> um, yeah, I um, went to play in 2017, September in Hong Kong. I went there to stay with my very good friend and I played in a Magic the Gathering Grand Prix and that weekend was the largest typhoon they had in 100 years. Yeah. <laughs> it was a category 10, a system 10 or Imagine whatever Imagine walking around it. with cards in your bag Dude, when it's I was, even raining. I was watching cars get rolled mm. down the main road. Yeah. yeah. It was intense. <laughs> so we got locked in the venue. Locked in, sandbagged. Oh, oh it was crazy. Actually, I've never seen anything like it in my I, life. I think I remember, did the ceiling of the venue break? Oh, break, yeah, 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 they, they had in. Oh, they had bins. Yeah. It was coming down like a bloody waterfall. Yeah. There was no food in the venue. They ran out of food, yeah. like water. It was crazy. How was the event, though? Awesome. <laughs> you know, two. Uh, I think it was like 200 players that were meant to come for the day two uh, didn't get there. No, they're trapped in their hotel. That, they were trapped in their hotel. The reason why I got there is because uh, my mates and his brother, they're locals, they said you have to leave early before the winds pick up. Oh, okay. So I left their apartment at like 5.30 in the morning yep. and I went real early <laughs> and I got in there early before the winds the winds picked up. So that, uh, that's so funny. that's how I got there. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. T- Timmy always knows the little tricks of the trade. But um, no, yeah, that was a good event. Tunnels I'll, ne- I'll never forget it. That was, that was unbelievable. But, but yeah, it's a tough gig like... And the thing is, you've got to plan those events in line with all the events around the globe, right? So they've got, uh, you know, uh, Sing- Calling Singapore coming up, and then you've got Ulrich. Did yes. I pronounce that right? Utrecht just finished. U- 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 yeah, just finished. You've got all these events, and you've got to kind of like, 
it's almost like juggle them together mm. so that, okay, we've got enough spacing between this, between this. Oh, we've got a set release. We need to give them enough time so they can get product yep. and build their decks. And then are we going to make it limited? Are we going to make it constructed? You know, like how yeah. are we going to, you know, it's it's not an easy gig. And then you've got to manage, you know, TOs and deal with, you know, distributors and people. It's, yeah, quite a bit of a juggling act, so... What do you think or what do you feel like talking on comfortability-wise of um, TCG buying out Channel Fireball? There's been a bit of speculation on some other podcasts and I've heard a bit of commentary that I feel is a bit incorrect or not very accurate. I don't think they have a good understanding of um, where Channel Fireball failed and possible, uh, uh, I guess, opportunities from the sale. Like, What are your thoughts on it? You know, what Uh, what went wrong and what what might... From my point of view, it's disappointing because it's an end of an era. You know, I used to be that kid that used to jump on Channel Fireball and wait for the the new article from LSV or um, Ray Duke playing Jund, whatever Jund was on at the time. And, you know, if that goes away, I'd be disappointed. So hopefully that, that stuff kind of, you know, stays. But I assume that if I was TCG player, they'll probably put it all under their own banner at some stage and rebrand it themselves. But... Uh, rather than keep a competitor out there. Um, yeah, that that's the most disappointing part. I think the downfall is pretty evident. I think if anybody knows the trading card game market and, and you know, is a retailer, you, yeah, it's disappointing. I think they made, you know, they got into running uh, GPs um, and I think they had a, like a three-year plan and, you know, a lot of it was to be profitable after a couple of years and, you know, the pandemic hit, which, you know, was the worst timing for them. Um, their website, you know, for example, the idea was you would consume content and while you were there, you would then go buy trading cards and then they decided to put it all behind a paywall. So then people just went elsewhere to get their content and then... At the same time, they swapped over to a marketplace where now they're not selling any cards and now all the content's behind a paywall. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like you could have... I mean, sorry, John, if you're listening to this, <laughs> but it just seemed like there was like one mistake after another, uh, you know. Or uh, I wouldn't say a mistake, but just... Yeah, just it didn't go right for them each yep. step It's like of the bad way. moves. Yeah, and and... I think that's from, I wasn't on the inside, but that's what I'd heard enough about where I was just kind of like, oh, okay, cool. You've kept making all these changes and changes, bad timing. Yeah, just not ideal for them. And for TCG play, I mean, look, they've been a standout in the market when it comes to singles and trading cards. You know, they're mar- they were the first to do the marketplace gig. You know, it gives players an opportunity to purchase prices from local game stores. Um you know, at a price that was competitive. Uh, I never really bought much from there. I, I usually, if I was ever getting cards from overseas, just a cheap plug out there to Card Kingdom and um, Star City Games, I usually just grab it from there because they always had the stock. Um, but yeah, look, it just depends. That's if I couldn't get it from my local game store people. So yeah. Just, yeah. You know. Well, Australia, because assuming you were in Australia too, it's not that easy to find stuff here. Like no. you can go through, I, and to be honest, as a consumer, I don't like, I'm an admin of the Facebook group for Oceania. Yeah. I don't like using it. Yeah, it It's so much back and forth and, and, and because people are inexperienced, I'd rather spend 20% and mm. send a list to a store. Mm. But like good games is too expensive like compared to like market. 
I'm going to do a cheap plug. Yeah. Their pricing has gotten really good recently. So At, Part yeah. of it was my feedback because, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, we're talking flesh and blood and they want to yeah. grow the scene. I'm like, guys, stop using the lazy mm. binder pause market high or whatever you're picking. Yeah, yeah. Like actually yeah, be in it. Uh, I think I went on there the other day because I couldn't find mm. stuff from my local game store and I was a little, I was quietly surprised. Yeah. So, yeah. No, no. Well, I know they did uprising pre-sales. And, and some of the Marvels were like $20 less than buying a private yeah. off your mates. So a lot of my friends just went and bought all their stuff, which, by the way, I don't mind seeing because there's a finite amount of everything. So like a place like Good Games decide to open 50 cases. There's yeah. a finite amount of good deals. But go on and put them out there. Yeah. Then let the secondary market take. I like seeing the games. I, I know Fab Armor in New Zealand does it. They go pre preset pricing. Yeah. So they obviously put in a spreadsheet, rough whether they think how many they'll get. They pre-sell it all. Yep. They make their 20, 30% on opening. Yep. Which, by the way, if you do that six months after the set comes out, usually you lose money. So yeah, yeah. they do it, get traction. And and most of these places are very good customer service. Like everything's packaged well. Mm. You can return things. You, you know, it's it's good. I, I like seeing it. I, yeah, again, definitely. me giving money to Paul doesn't further the, sh- the local store. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. If you can buy it from your store, you should. Yeah, definitely. I think where. You know, I only ever went online when I needed things to finish off a deck for a tournament or something mm. like that. So in extreme circumstances. But, you know, I was a huge fan of, like, when GPs rolled around and, like, vendors would come over, bring cards from overseas. And, you know, you'd find things that you'd never see anywhere in a local game store. And I can understand why, because sometimes, like, a local card store can't sit there and invest or put money into cards that are going to sit on the shelf for, like, a year yep. before the one high roller walks in. But, yeah, the... You know, because we haven't had one for so long. It's like, yeah, your only choice is to either hopefully you've got a mate who's, you know, wicked at cracking boosters or you go online sometimes. So. Are there any details that you can drop around the call-in in Singapore? Any uh, bit of spice you can share? Oh, look, I, I you know. know one I – th- I don't know if it's public yet or not. I didn't hear it from you, so oh, I'll okay. say it. The artist for Prism. Yes, this would be the first time she has been available to sign anything. Yes, so we've got so the, the Asian community gets first dibs on getting their Prism signed because she's never signed. There's no signatures of hers yeah. around. Yeah, right. Am I? Yeah. yeah. So uh, the artist that did Prism, and then the artist that did. I'm going to butcher the name. Lavinia. Lavia. Lavia. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah oh, will awesome. be there. Win- uh, oh man, I'm going to butcher the name too. Win. Winshu, I think. I, I'm not good. I don't remember no, the artist names. But those two are going to be there, mm. so that'll be an awesome opportunity. There's official cosplayers. I saw the announcement, at least one. Yeah. She's the one that did the ninja. I don't know if you saw it at the calling, the last European calling, not Utrecht, the one before that. Yes. Wearing Taiwan. the mask of... Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah awesome. Yeah. Okay, cool. And then I know that James will be there, so mm. that'll be That's huge. That's been announced. Yeah, that'll be a huge Wait, is that the photo where he had the big full-on beard? Yeah, and then so. he shaved it. Which one's? <laughs> what does he look like right now? Is what I want to know. No, he's got he had a beard. Wolverine beard going. Who? James? Yeah. Yeah. Has he got? A, is he rocking a beard? Yeah. <laughs> he's got it. Has he been holed up at home for a very long time? Oh, look, the guy's a workaholic, <laughs> so I'm not sure if he's shaved recently. It depends <laughs> if uh, the last uh, shipment from the we- yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's probably all dependent on whether stock gets held up somewhere or some kind of craziness is going on in the back. Give us some behind the scenes that you can. Yeah. So, the new set for Flesh and Blood yep. coming out at the end of the year. Yep. It, has that been printed now, like time frame wise? Would it actually be 
printed? Uh, it's a good question. I'm not 100% sure on LSS's print runs. Wizards, it was like the back of my hand. Mm. It was like almost tattooed at that. Well, what's just, the lead time usually? Uh, so they should have start printing now. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, to be dead honest, it's they need to start printing as soon as they can because it's actually There not, can be delays. Yeah. So now you, you have so many challenges when it comes to, to printing. You know, the stories that you hear is just like, oh... You know, I remember one stage, printer was like, we're out of paper. So Uprising was out of paper. That's why it got delayed in the yeah. printer. Because James said it, he's like, literally the printer called us and said, we're out of paper, we need three weeks. And we're like, but yeah. we got world premieres. What do you mean? So they had this tiny little print run they had to split, I believe, and divvy up to make the world premieres happen. Yeah, so like when you're... That's a, crazy, imagine. Oh yeah. <laughs> like when you're a manufacturer or even a distributor, right? Mm. Like what do you do? Like when you run it, when a printer runs This isn't paper, like your A4 white reflex yeah, paper. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? It's not like you go down to Officeworks <laughs> and just buy them and out. And you can't just... Because by the way, 100% you can pick a different stock. Yes. But then you create this whole other whirlwind of problems. Yeah. Like are those fake? Why does that look different? The colouring... You know, you couldn't just go and change. Oh. You have to stick... So I'm assuming literally has to be the same tree... <laughs> type of thing. So for all you fans out there that keep <laughs> whinging about like Japanese print runs versus mm. US print runs and literally get these cards and like touch them and be yeah. like, yeah, this one's better. I'm yeah. like, this is why LSS and a lot of companies just do the one print run from the one place so that they don't have those issues. The cards are functionally exactly the same. Yep. They probably don't even look that different. It's only when you have like a full set of four of them and like one of them looks darker than the or other. Or lighter, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, it. That's when I look. Dude, I the get amount it. of times I'm, I get personally sent, it's just funny because they all tell me, oh, Fluke, I'm going to put them in an envelope and send it and you'll see it's fake and they never come. Yeah. It's always WTR, yeah. unlimited. Because it's Japanese, right? They go, this tunic's way lighter. I go, w did it have red tape on the box or no red tape on the box? The, the case. Yeah. Did it have a serial number on the inside of the booster box or not? Japanese. They're like, oh, no, no, it's fake for sure. The guy on, on TCG Player has 10,000 positive reviews, but he didn't even know it was a fake. I'm like, uh, send me. send me. Yeah, like, Look, even the print dots are different. I'm like, they're not fake. Do you think LSS... <laughs> eventually will introduce some sort of a hologram on their legendary and fables, typical to what um, LSS did on rares and above. I mean, uh, what Wizards did on rares and above. Uh, I think what you'll need to do, and this is not just an LSS thing, is I think in general um, with trading cards or any sort of collectability, the only way these come, like these fakes work is that if you don't change your method mm. after a while. So you need to keep changing it and updating it to keep them like a step behind. And the thing is, is they had like, for example, magic. They had like 20 something years mm. to get it right. I, I think there's one thing there though, which I just figured out. Hard to find or only comes in foil as an example, as a fabled card. Yep. Cold foil is probably near impossible to fake. They, I don't want to say impossible, but there's so such a limited amount a fake would stick out like a sore thumb. They catch up eventually. The thing is, is the the, the but scary usually fake uh, people that are making fakes don't go for the highest end because people are way more going to scrutinize. Like they'd much rather print a fifty dollars staple than a twenty thousand dollar card. Yeah, that it's because they probably think they can sneak it through. But I think the reality is, even on Wizard side and LSS side or any other trading card game, is that the more you keep the print runs exactly the same and yep. the designs exactly the same, you you keep those. But companies. historically, what I'm saying is, and correct me if I'm wrong, yep. even the black label European fables mm. are foil. 
mm. foils are a lot harder to fake. Of course they are. Because someone showed me fake magic or magic proxies that were foil. Like, because foil is a film, unless they get the same film, it immediately, like the minute you put it in the light, you're like, yeah. why is that so pink? Or why is it so blue? Like, I think it's already, because our highest end cards are foil, mm. it's already quite hard to, to make replicas of. Definitely. I think it's, once again, it just comes down to, look, the longer they get an opportunity to keep perfecting it and perfecting it, it gets close. Yeah. And they never will get it 100%, but you need to, like, I think their goal is to get it enough so they can put it in an inner sleeve and... Yes, and, and then pass it off. The reality is, is there'll always be those things in the community, yeah. and it comes down to local game stores and players mm. really stamping it out. You know, I really encourage local game stores not to run proxy events for those exact reasons, yeah. because once again, you're you're letting it into your community, right? Like you're letting like fakes into your community, and the one thing I can never tolerate is some kid going out there spending their first hundred bucks on a card and then finding out it's fake. It's, it's yeah, got to yeah. be the worst yeah. thing, right? So. Which is the exact inverse of the best. They open their first price back, yeah. hit a fabled. That's the... <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. The I heard something about a year ago that they were testing, um, like trading, uh, printing companies were testing, printing almost like a microscopic barcode Mm. on all the cards or some sort of smarts actually on the card not electronics or anything but some sort of a, a, a code so if you it, it would be a unique code and like, it's it's basically impossible to duplicate I think what what I think if you're going to look at any market for that kind of technology it's the sports card market yeah. because the difference is is look you know, you shuffle know, them, play with them. Oh, it's not only that, it's the value of cards. Like, I think, you know, what what's a Black Lotus go for? $30,000, $60,000 USD or something? I think it's a million if it's graded right. <laughs> and the same for <laughs> yeah, Flesh yeah. and Blood. But sports cards now are hitting quarter of a million. Yeah. You know, quarter of a million? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I think there was a Tom Brady, like, last year that went for, like, a quarter of a million dollars. Pure collectible. Yeah. What, 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 okay, quarter of a million dollars for Tom Brady. What year is that card printed? Oh, it's a rookie. Like, his rookie yeah. oh, year. Oh, his rookie year. Yeah, okay. his rookie year. And... Uh, they would have graded it, yeah, like a 10. And there's, there's probably so few of them. But the reality is like modern day sports cards, you know, they're going to probably introduce that kind of technology in there where you can kind of scan the card. They'll probably invent Yeah, but it. there's already NFC, like um, when you watch poker and the, the cards come up on the screen, that's not the camera anymore. It's an NFC chip in every single card. Mm. I'm not sure if you're aware of no, that. I'm not. So they already have little micro NFC chips they can mm. put in beep, and it literally is scanning the card. Yeah. And and then, funnily enough, that's technically what an NFT is. It's mm. a, <laughs> like a digital version sure. of that. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's whether it's worth, like imagine the cost for every fable to put an NFC chip in it to make sure it can't be forged. They'd yeah. only do that if the like there's enough forgeries to force it. I don't think you'll ever... Flesh and Blood's too small to warrant that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think where wherever there's money, right, they'll yeah. always try. But I think sports cards, because of how big it's getting in the US, like they're having their nationals very shortly, which is one of their biggest convention events, right? And you, there's millions of dollars in trading cards yeah, yeah. swapping hands, right? And the thing is, I think players want security knowing that if they're going to drop like hundred thousand dollars on a card that it's legit well, you right? know that like logan paul uh, oh yeah <laughs> where like he bought he bought a case of oh. ended up being a fake yeah pokemon case. and it was like double authenticated like my it, favorite part is the gi joe, yeah. GI joe. <laughs> i wanted to see those gi joe cards <laughs> Open it. yeah like you know yeah play some gi joe it was vintage <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. vintage cards yeah, yeah. it just it's wasn't pokemon yeah but 
that that's the scary bit. Yeah, yeah. That's the scary. It's crazy that it was authenticated. I think in those something. Situ- by the way, I'm 100 percent sure we don't know all the details behind no. that deal because uh, how is it authenticated? I think you can only uh, look. I, yeah, I, you can only I, authenticate I, to a point when it's a sealed yeah, case. To a certain point where it's sealed case, and I don't think anybody's trying to do anything, you know, skullduggerously. But I think the idea at the end of the day is like they're making their best guess based on everything yes. that they've seen, right? And to be honest, they. Uh, trust me, they're probably not happy about it either. No, no, no. They lose the most. The, yeah. the, I don't. That's right. I'm, I don't think the grading company, the authentication company, would have been involved. Yeah, that's not exactly. What I'm saying, saying someone knew enough to get it passed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, and Crazy. once again, it's like the history of the product too. It's probably been sitting in somebody's basement for God knows how long. We were talking about this, so we we're talking about the PCG grading thing, yeah. uh, the partnership with LSS. Yep. That's what I was hoping for the most. I'm not sure if they're, they're quite doing it how I would have hoped, yep. but that was what I was hoping for was, okay, here's a gold foil extended art crown of providence. The first one got opened. It's it's There's a video on Twitter. Nice. If that was PCG slapped a serial number on it, yep. took some 20 megapixel photos of it. So there's like a mic, like, like if you've seen the video I did with PCG, they have yep. a, like a microscope. Yep. They could literally run the microscope over that card and go bottom left, there's a little nick that mm. no naked eye could see. <laughs> Slap a serial number on it. And this yep. again, it's similar to an NFT. You could literally make an NFT of it, mm. not to sell it, but to keep there's a record of the bottom left of that card and yeah. the one imperfection that makes that card unique, slap it in a digital form, recede it, timestamp it. 10 years from now, yeah. you can track back the ownership if you if you always register the sale with PCG, you go back and go, I bought that card. It came with the little card from you. Yeah. And at any point, I want to buy the card now. It's worth $100,000. We could go to a PCG office, big microscope, bottom left of the card. Yep, that's the nick. Okay. Not see, you couldn't replicate a microscopic yeah. imperfection. Yeah, yeah. pedigree is important. Yeah, but this is this is Very what I, I hope. If I'm sure I could talk to Matt Rogers, if PCG go down that route with because like flesh and blood trophy cards right now, yeah, are worth an incredible amount of money compared yeah. to other card games, right? If they do that right with pedigree authentication, the grade is secondary. I don't care if it's a nine or an eight. I care more about. No, that's the original one from 2019. Or that's the, the first history. one that got open. Or that's Matt Rogers' one when he won four callings in a row. Okay. That's his four. Yeah, yeah. That's more important. Like, that's cooler than, like, I got a 10. Okay, you and, got Because I want to play with the card. That's what, I don't, the, that's what the top wine soms do when yeah. they're selling a, Where did it come a 2000 from? The king bottle of, of wine. The king of Spain. In, yeah, yeah, they yeah. talk yeah. about the He hills. stole it from the king of France's yeah. wife. All right, <laughs> that's know, the bottle of wine. Yeah, this, this vineyard in France <laughs> yes. was raided yeah. by the Romans and then owned and this grape was squeezed between someone's <laughs> bum cheeks. Like, that's the level of <laughs> okay. detail that they yeah. give, right? Well, you know what's funny that you say that? There is, like... I can only say this for mm. magic because I don't have a. There's a, some a, of that, right? I don't have a, uh, a an example for flesh and blood, but there is cards. I I can see where you're coming from, right? Where I would love to own certain cards. There's a lightning helix from a pro tour for fans that know. Uh, there's a there was a, a, a finals where somebody just like. You know, the commentary team are just like lining it up. Yeah, you just char, go to the face, hit him to the face, and you just go for light. Like you just hit him in the face with light. Flips the card over. Everybody's going nuts. <laughs> if you know if you could that, get that that card. So what's funny? I've already done that in Fab. Oh, okay. Yeah. So there's a prison player called Fino Black. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He um 
was on camera at a calling yes. against the most hated character in Flesh and Blood that's now a living legend. Yeah, Bravo. Bravo. Yeah. So even you know. Yeah. I, I think <laughs> and I he watched was playing him at Prism. SCG Con. Yeah, correct. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Everyone was hoping Fino Black won because they, they, but then they didn't because if he won, Prism might have living legend. Oh, okay. But everyone hates Starvo, wants him to lose. <laughs> it was one of those like, you, you, you're you damned if you do, Bit damned if you don't. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And Fino Black is playing his Rainbow Four tunic and he misses making it go to three, which is when you get the, yep. the resource offered. Now, uh, when experts have looked back, he wouldn't have won the match necessarily if he had, but people attributed his loss to missing. Because yes. you can lose a game over missing a trigger. Of course. Lost many. Yeah, yeah. We've all been there. Now, but he, he jumped on the fan page and go like roast me, and people did. Yeah. And he was famous for a few days. Everyone's roasted him. Um, saying he big brain and lost on purpose because now Prism's not living legend, oh, I right? Think, I don't think he lost on no, no, purpose. No, 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 but that was the, money that's the joke. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I contacted him. I said, can I buy that tunic, sir? And will okay. you sign it for me? Uh, oh, yeah, perfect. And he goes, yeah, just replace it and give me like a hundred bucks. And yeah. I met him at Pro Tour Jersey and he pulled it out and he signed it and that's the one I play with. Nice. And now- not, and it's not about money. I yeah, reckon yeah. that card in 10 years could be worth a fortune, especially if Fino eventually becomes someone like... Oh, he's a very good player, but you know if he wins like Worlds, worlds mm. on Let, Prism... Let's put it this way, right? There's enough top 10s on YouTube where <laughs> if that card comes up on a top 10 list in 10 years where it's like, oh shit, that card? That card. You've got that that card? Yes. Because there's a few like that in Magic. Like I can think of... Um, I'm sure every game's the same because someone gets very lucky there's a or goif. wins with a card. Yeah, there's a goif from Las Vegas <laughs> that is infamous where somebody drafted a for a goif just for the money rather than trying to win the event. and Yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah, they What's also, I, I think, not that story specifically, but yeah. why Flesh and Blood have the cold foil in the token slot in the draft set now. Uh-huh. So you can money draft it because it's a token and yeah. you still draft the Like, it's yours to keep because it's a token. Mm, okay. I, that's what they did on purpose. So if you hit okay. the Fable cold foil, yep. you do not have to make a draft decision. Oh, I was I was facing a similar predicament at the RTN on the weekend. <laughs> Rainbow right. for a legendary? No, it was a, it was a it got passed to me like a, it it was pack pack 2 pick 4 foil rewind. Mm-hmm. The actual altar? No. Okay. But still. Yeah, yeah, it's a for my foil favorite majestic, like my yeah. fa- one of my favorite arts, one of my favorite art mm. in the game. Foil majestic, stunning card. I don't own that card not even a foil copy yep. and I was looking at it and I was looking at that in a 0-3 red Galgan force and fire baby and I'm like Ronan Renegade foil rewind Ronan Renegade foil rewind I'm like what did the Timmy do bro the Timmy did... went for the um, Ronan Renegade oh, I actually fucking went spike the on Timmy that shit <laughs> and um, I yeah I did the Renegade and and, and <laughs> The person to my left, though, did not. <laughs> the bastard. He just, looked at, he just looked at you. Yeah, and just Ed, how are you, mate? Um, <laughs> you know, he, uh, he top eight it. He's fine. Yeah. He's still, he's still got there. But I was looking because I was a bit light on 0-3 go against. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, oh, God. It pained me to pass that card. Yeah. It's... it's uh, talk to me. The, um, have you opened much Uprising yet? 
uh, I've got a case of it still sitting there in my lounge room that needs an opening. But okay. you know what I actually did? Um, I got like a case of like starters and I've just been giving yes. them out to people. Yep. So I figure that like when I jump on my flight to Melbourne and to Singapore, I'll just give them to kids on the flight. Mm. And eventually over time, they'll pay for my flights. <laughs> you know, James should probably do the same thing when he flies over. Just take a case of uh, <laughs> starters and give Starter them out death. on the plane. So. I think that's actually one thing Flesh and Blood is lacking. But then I don't know how other games do it. And if they do it well, because you can't like give these starter decks too high of a power level, no. it's a problem too. Yeah, but I love the classic battles, but it, yeah. but and and I don't even disagree with how they priced it. But the problem with the pricing is the community pushed back on the pricing, and I don't think it's been a successful product. Yeah, it, and James White, like again in his last interview, said like we're very aware of our mistakes. Like yeah. we we clearly missed the mark there. It, it's hard, to but get the started. actual decks, like when you sleeve them and play, yeah, phenomenal. I think the so, experience I think is phenomenal. It is, and it's a nice looking product. I like the way that box it's sits a foil on the box. Shelf. Yeah, I think it looks good. But so. but but clearly, new players aren't buying it. That's what I'm trying to say. Like that, where where you want it to be selling hasn't been. Yeah, so I'm just going to... My view on these things is that, look, the game is probably complicated enough that you're not really going to learn it from the box anyway. Like, let's be honest, yes. right? Your friends are going to be the ones that probably teach you the game. Mm -hmm. Look, if you if the starter instructions do it for you, great. But to be no, honest... No, they, look, I tried to learn off YouTube videos and the, it does. I couldn't... Yeah. I needed someone to show me. Yeah, so... And once again, I'm, I'm stealing this from uh, a, uh, a deck that somebody pitched me at Wizards a while ago. But you want it to be, you want the starter experience to be like LeBron James in a house party on the top of a building uh, playing like, you know, like a, a nightclub environment for your first experience. You just want to have fun, right? <laughs> like you want to see dragons, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, things blowing you up. things to happen. You know, yeah. things killing each other. Like you just want that explosion as your first experience because to be dead honest, when we all first played, none of us got it right anyway, mm. right? So the idea is you just want that first experience and that starter experience to be super fun. So if you're not doing powerful So what things, you're saying is I need to build a fully blinged out prism and a fully blinged out dromai with all the flashy gold foil auras. Well, it doesn't have to be actually, flashy. But you a new player would probably find that way. Oh, you got the big dragon out versus the I, mechanic. I, I, think, I think what I'm hearing here is it's not the cards per se. It's having two decks that are going to set up to have those epic interactions. Correct. But also finding the right person to run a new player because that's a oh, make or break. Yeah. You know what company I think, I don't know if they still do it, but back in the day, especially when I was a kid, they nailed it. Is Games, Games Workshop. Workshop. Yeah. God, their intro games when I was a kid, how animated the staff got. Yep. I used to think I was transported onto the bloody battlefield. I, I will they, say. So good. Games Workshop have gotten it down. Like they... they I still go into their stores and I still watch their stuff and they're really well trained and mm. they get the intro thing mm. down the, the best. And the, yep. for a good reason. You know why? Because when you're going against a PlayStation or an Xbox at $500 and you're a parent and you walk in there and you look at the price of these these. Yes. Toy soldiers, right? And you got to tell them, yeah, they got to put it together. They got to paint it. And you know, your kids' it's, it's like attention uphill. span is like 15 seconds. They're just like, oh, this is awesome. And in 15 seconds' time, they're going to be on TikTok or doing something else. Yep. To convince them is really hard. And these guys do a really phenomenal job. And it's not even the dice, it's, it is the way they do it is, is like, it is, what's the pitch? It's usually like something along the lines of, 
you are the they they always go something like uh, you are the emperor's chosen, and you're you need to gun down the enemy of uh, of mankind, yeah. and uh, you unleash a hail of bolt of fire, and and like you don't have no idea what he's freaking talking about, but it's awesome. And like, orc and goblins, yeah. wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, oh, I loved it. Yeah, and so and they would just hand you some dice, and then they you would roll it, and then be like, yeah, like you know, bolt of fire is cutting down, blah blah blah. It's all in the imagination of the game. Mm. The dice and the rules, they're not important. You know what I mean? For that first experience, they don't need to know. That's funny because I think the classic battle box with the little law booklet, like if you read the law booklet first and you see like Dorinthia and her her friends and her mentor and they get slashed down and why why they're fighting. But what you're telling me is probably a, a 30 second animated ad for that that the box sends you to watch might do more for oh, it than 100%. the actual box itself. Oh, 100%. Yep. I guarantee you, you, you get somebody in there, run them an intro game for 15 sec, uh, like for, for five minutes, yep. and literally you've got uh, Reiner coming in, like, you know, baseball swinging at Dorinthia's head, and you yep. you outline what's going on is going to do more for your game. Content and for us new, to make. You know, getting people <laughs> into the game than ever going... Yep. Hey, oh, just so you know, the phases. Mm. This is phase one, two, three. Yeah, no, oh, no, that's not like that works if someone has been playing Magic for ten years and you oh, need to explain mechanics, right? But but to introduce someone to the game, that's still more fun. Like, what? Oh, yeah. Why is Durante and Reinar fighting? Yeah. And what are they each doing? And yeah. then make it fun versus. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I love over the top animated. Um, You're the person like, to do it. Like 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 epic. <laughs> like even even um you know I do that sometimes when I play an armor event. Yep. So I just start playing cards and you know I was playing Bolton for the first time in a long time in last armor and when I was charging the soul you know I was getting animated and going charging the soul. <laughs> you know well, I was like I was mucking around you know I was yeah. having fun. Um but yeah like I think that um but I think with Fab it's like key with new players is mm. same with um like Warhammer. Yep. Um it's about uh finding uh, your army. Yep. What 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 captures your imagination? Yep. Uh, case in point, Alessandro, how are you, mate? One of our mutual magic friends. Yep. I gifted him with a chain pre-con deck about a year ago. Mm. He was busy at the time. I think he played it once, here or there. Three weeks ago, he came to his first armor event. We took him out to Blood Rush Gaming. He was given a bride deck to play. He had fun. He had a fun night. And then... A week ago, he came back again. We gave him a Reinar deck and something clicked. He just, it captured his imagination. He was so hyped, so um, emotionally um, invested into that hero by the end of the night. He just couldn't stop talking about it. Couldn't Like you saw the eyes lit up. Oh, of course. And it was just like, man, this is what it feel, felt like when I was first playing Magic. It's because he really enjoyed hitting me in the face for 11. And then me got <laughs> What did you play at, against him? Yeah, yeah. He's like, yes. I'm looking at my hand and he's like, 11, dominate. <laughs> and I'm like looking at my hand, I'm like, yeah, this is probably not good. <laughs> but this yeah. is very bad. <laughs> yeah, he, he, so I guess it's, yeah, finding that. Let's let's put this out because I, I, I think... I, I'm not someone that waits for LSS. Like, go, LSS should. I, I hate that yeah. statement in and of itself. Because LSS are mm-hmm. doing a lot. Oh, 100%. They've <laughs> like, got 50 million. Like, I'm pretty sure 90% of the workload at LSS is actually going from concept to execute. It's a new product every time. Yeah, yes, you've got some basic building blocks, but you've got to take 100 and something pieces of art, 100 borders, 100 pieces of text, put them all together, Imagine. test it, 
send it to printers, get proofs. They fuck it up, send it back, fix that. That that like it's. But that's all before they go. Ah, oh, well, how do we animate? Like, let should we animate a video and make people more pumped about the game? I think if you and I, and we have a connection to, I mean, we both can speak to James directly, but I think he doesn't need to be involved. I think if you go down the route of, we get every hero that's playable, assign them a flesh and blood YouTuber, or con- like someone like go, you know, man, a man sent should do Levia, and and you go rather than it being. I'm 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 let's harken back to the Warcraft World of Warcraft ads. Remember when they Mr. T oh, was the Orc? Oh, oh, I've never seen them. Oh, oh really? Okay, well, I will blow them. your mind. Best okay, s- they were, those, they were those, pop yeah. culture ads. They yeah, were not wow. just like okay. World of Warcraft da da da. This I is love like Mr. Mr. T, T yeah. you know, no, Mr. T talking and then it morphs into the the Orc with the mohawk Ooh, in the yeah, game. Yeah. If we if, I don't think it's that hard. I'll fund it. You make a make a two minute video of hype. What, what, which character do you want to play in Fab? Watch this video. Tall Timmy is a brute. Roll scabbies. Blah blah blah. And it's going from you, Bolton. Yeah, correct. Bolton. It's going from you to the game play a little bit animated. Like when you say roll scabbies, it's showing you scab skin leathers. Legendary, you roll right. Have some epic deep English voice vo- voiceover when it's required, and you go down. Like, why do I play Dory? But it's not the boring. Oh, I like the reactions. The blah 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 blah. Yeah. It's it's like I play Dory because I want to make my sword keep swinging till it hits for ten and kills them or whatever. Whatever. Like, get someone to script it, someone to voice it. Yeah. Get some content creators, members of the community, girls playing the girls, boys playing the boy characters. Get it to a point where it's like here's an ad for the game. Yeah, because the game does not have an ad. Let me tell you, there's no ad ad for the game, no. like not a good one. There's the let's let's learn to play thing on Flesh and Blood's website. It's very well animated and structured. It's boring, yeah. unless you want to play. Yeah, I, but I get- how do you, how do you get someone? How do you get a a 15 year old who is starting to have a little bit of a disposable income? To like go, you know what I'd love to play? I'd love to play Reiner. A hundred percent. I just, I have it running in my head right now. It's like, I play Reiner and I love to smash people in the face. <laughs> exactly. Do you know what I mean? Then, and then why don't, we should do it. You know. Just do it. Uh, by the way, people watching, if you want in, yeah. you can help. Like if you can animate, do voice editing, whatever. Because it's like, that's a group, pro, it's a big project. But it's not yeah. too big that it can't be done. But I think like if you had to professionally do the project, that's a $50,000 project. Uh-huh. But the community could do it for free. Just with, I just had another one like dash, and then yeah. you do the pistol whip thing, yeah, like into yeah. the pocket. Come on, man, <laughs> yeah, that'd be sick. But yeah, 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 you, yeah. Can, you can visualize it and yeah. go, oh, I can hype this game like Prism. Yeah. It's not hard to do the sexy librarian. She's yeah. summoning like, why? Why do people play Prism? Like, none of her attacks are real. Yeah. She's like this, this frail, pretty. Yeah. I'm a nerd that's gonna kick your ass. <laughs> you know, it could be done. Yeah. It could I'm, be very I'll, cool. I, you know. I play Oldham, you know. Yeah. No one's going to touch me. No, well, Oldham, Oldham, Oldham is, is it Keith. A- Keith. Oh, <laughs> he's crusty and he's old. and Because I play slow. Yeah, I play <laughs> Oldham because I play slow. And he's just like I'm barely carrying his shield up yeah. the stairs. I'm the ultimate guardian. <laughs> I'm the crusty old man that complains yeah. in the corner all well, the time. The, re- the reason I'm even saying this, I reckon if you if you made a pitch and yeah. you took it to LSS, they would really help with it. Like yeah. they would go, oh, what do you need? Art? Like you probably get some unreleased art or because there's a lot of card art for major art. There's like three, four variants of it that LSS have, and they picked the one on the card. But you can make a lot of the hype stuff. Uh, get some lore, like like going to the story, the character. Definitely, and I think that's part of the side that's missing of the game. I think Wizards does 
it's a little bit more advanced on it, but it's still there's a lot more room to go. I mean, look, Dungeons and Dragons just dropped a trailer just recently for their new. Oh movie. yeah, we'd Chris Pine love, in it. Yeah, we'd all love to see a uh, yeah a Netflix series. For what was uh, it? An or, uh, owl bear? Yeah. yeah <laughs> oh, that's yeah. so sick. But, but you, look, it's never going to be that big. Till it is, yeah. but see, like fan art, community art. There's enough in the fab community, enough talent yeah. to get a very sick video happening. Yeah. Very, very cool. And, and the building blocks are there. Like the game by nature, like it's inherent That's my, design. It's still a character with their yes, weapon. Like exactly. Dorinthy has yeah. Dawnblade, Rhino has Romping Club claws, and not Rhino's weapons. It's Romping Club. <laughs> you know, it, uh, LSS are already 3D printing the weapons and sending them to cosplayers. Like, yeah. if you went to LSS and went, look, can we re- we really want a romping club 3D? They'll do it. They got um, Weta Workshop in New Zealand. Oh, nice. I'm pretty sure James will write a check, and in the check meaning he'll put some resources that he can. I think what they what LSS can't do is they got a they're still a startup for all intents and purposes, a very successful one. Yeah, they can't go dump resources and man hours into like. 10 different things and do it well. That's yeah. why the gem system could use upgrades, but it's not going to happen overnight. What they're doing is releasing great sets. Mm. I think they're balancing the game quite well. Never perfect, but I don't think there's a way to do it perfectly anyway. And and having that type of ad video could really be like a good catalyst to get some people interested, especially like I don't think Magic has it where... Yeah. I play blue, (laughs) (laughs) whatever it is. Like it's nowhere near as sexy as Prism. Do you know what I mean? Or Lexi or it's, it's not as fun as like, Oh, Rhino like rolls a dice. If he hits one, he's got to give you the turn back. And when he rolls a six, he just like goes super Saiyan and, for a character that should hit you once really big, he hits you three times really big. Like even animated, like, you know, like Kano, like you just go, you know, I play Kano because my turn. Yeah, no, yeah, Kano, your Kano, turn's Kano's my turn. Kano's just sitting back while arrows are getting shot at him. Yeah. He's just sitting back and then he's go, poof, and yeah, you're yeah, dead. Yeah, it's like, yeah, your <laughs> turn. Like you had 20 turn. chances to kill me, now you're dead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It'd be sweet. There's, there's, there's so much so you just, All you got to do is a little storyboard for each character and you'd send that to the people that play that character, but not as a professional level, the most passionate like yeah. you know who Le- Levi who Levi's like main player is in the world. I know Dory is um, oh, what's his first name? Lau from the Card Guys. Like he's a professional Dory player. Get those people to tell you why they play that character. Mm. You mix it in with the lore. You mix it in with like what they like about Fan the character. Yeah. Then you get an actual person, an animated actor type to like voice it and go again. Like Reinar's like literally intimidating cards out of your hand, smacking your face with a club. Yeah, like it's not. <laughs> it's very hard not to make that sound cool. Exactly what Warhammer has going for it. Yeah. The art, the aesthetic, the different stories and lore. Like Warhammer lore is so freaking deep. Yeah. Whether you like it or not, there's books and books and books and books and fan movies and mm. and especially for the younger age groups. You know, as we get older, you know, humans' imaginations tend to become a little bit cl- more closed. But the, the younger generation, your imagination really is very but open, I'm very still, susceptible. Brendan said to it. We're all we play games because we're still yeah. big kids. Like all what you're kids. trying to do mm. is transit, transport out of reality and your bills and your mortgage and your job yeah, and all the- having to fly to Taiwan and all that crap. Yep. And go, I just want to play a game. And you, you escape for an hour or two, talk to your friends. But, uh, but how, how do you get a player that isn't interested in fab because of pricing in that pick a character? Like how do you actually go from and, – and rather than explain, oh, this is a mill deck and this is an aggro deck. and yep. Like it's characters. They're yep. very good characters. I think like – but I still think that, uh, you know, 15 to 18-year-old market is a little untapped at the moment with mm. fab. 
I think yeah. I think it is a bit that fifteen to eighteen year old market is a bit untapped. And yeah. like you said, that they're the ones that they get into it young, and that's your future. Yeah, you I'll, know. I'll actually let you know. I think that's actually one of the scary parts for trading card market, um, and it's actually sports card market too. I don't think those players are coming in. Well, I think the problem is the player base is aging. So mm. the one thing is that what I'm and there's probably a couple of reasons, not just you know, uh, but one of the things I'm noticing is that the average age when we first started playing versus the way it is now has yeah. changed dramatically. Right, yeah. you walk into a game store, the average player age is like 22, 24, 25, maybe even a little older than that. And I'm starting to not see as many of those 15, 16, 12-year-olds. You know, like those kids, you know, honestly. um, There's some fab examples. I think someone that was 11 won an RTN. Yeah, but but good. but they're very like um, they're outliers. Outliers, yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. But there's a lot of parents bring their kids and t- yeah. Who was the kid at Parramatta? Who everybody in the group? He was a kid. He was like ten or eleven, and we used to all coach him, and he wanted to play Jund. And so the thing is, is like he was like the youngest person in our group. And the thing is, is now when you walk into a game store, the average age is probably 25, 26, you know. But like the well, idea... my viewership, like, which is all fab, is that exactly that. It's yeah. actually higher than 25. Yeah. Like the average is, it says 25 to 35. Yeah. And 35 to 55, whatever the age, it's yeah. all that. Like very yeah. few under. And that's probably alarming because when you think about it, right, like, look, to be dead honest, it partly to do with our trading card games are probably not... Uh, well, no one's playing it at school and stuff, right? People have phones and stuff. Yeah, like there was a time too. where when you're at school, you've got a binder in your bag, right? Yeah. You that doesn't exist anymore, I don't think. But I think we are making our games more complicated, and because That's they're true more too. complicated, you know, kids, the simplicity is not there anymore. Mm. So I think that can be a part of the issue. But I think other things too is yeah. I don't think we're doing enough to bring in young people into a hobby store environment either. No. I think it's kind of like, when was the last time you invited your cousin or yeah, your Yeah, but niece? to be honest too, if, yeah. if someone walked into a game store and it was us three playing Flesh and Blood, yeah. why would a 10-year-old kid walk up to us? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, like no, if 100%. we were 14, yeah, yeah. 10-year-old kid might yeah. sheepishly come up and watch. Yeah. We, I get people come and watch our games, but it's very rarely someone under 20. Like that's yeah. unlikely to happen. Yeah. Our youngest player just turned 18. Yeah. But, but I think we probably as a community need to do more, mm. even from a hobby, like, you know, all the way from the manufacturer of card yep. game companies, all the way to local game stores probably need to do more to bring kids in. Um, because, yeah, if well, they, they all start I mean, you could do a juniors night, right? Like if you're a game yeah. store and you advertise the under 16, learn yeah. to play flesh and blood. But yeah. Like parents are more inclined. Yeah. Again, going to jujitsu or most sports, there's usually a... Age. Because age is competitive as well. Like, yeah. yes, a very good 16-year-old player will probably beat us all because <laughs> their brain just has less junk in it. There but right. if so they're entering, they don't want to get beaten up in a card game yeah. by a 40-year-old either. <laughs> like, they're not. It's not that appealing. Throwing it out there to Mitch, that time he beat up a little kid. <laughs> yeah, just so you're listening. <laughs> yep, I remember that. Fuck Mitch. Uh, guys, well, it's two hours on the dot. Perfect. Um, went fast. It went fast. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we could chat forever, but um, I've got some plans, and it's it's travel time for me soon. Yes, I got to pack tomorrow off to New Zealand. Ooh, cool. good luck. That's going to be fun. I think there's also an artist in New Zealand. Um, what are you the, the LSS artist. What's her name? That does all the borders. Oh, I have a signed card from at Hale. Uh, Alan Hale gave me, but she doesn't sign outside of New Zealand. She's never been outside of New Zealand, as far as I know. Are you going to go to Hobbiton and stuff? No, 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 no. I'm just Auckland. I've got James White Thursday, then Friday, Saturday, Sunday. This is a 
128 player armory. It's a, so first of all, the premise for all this is a cancer charity. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Uh, $50 entry goes to cancer, then you pay for the entry. I think it's in another expo, like as a yeah. gaming thing that's happening at the cloud in Auckland. But you can go in and cosplay as Frodo, go to Hobbiton, <laughs> just Look, enjoy the... I'm going to play 128 player armory. The, is that Blitz or CC? C, uh, Blitz. What are you going to play? Probably Dory. Yep. But uh, new Dory, because I don't want to keep chopping and changing decks. I'm sick of it. <laughs> um, there's a Battle Hardened. CC or Blitz? CC. What are you playing? And there's a Skirmish. I'm playing Dory in CC. And Dory in Blitz. So it's just a week and a Dory. Look, nice. Dromai is fun. Pummeling you is fun, but it's not. <laughs> I, I I just also want to be on autopilot. Sure. Yeah, because, you know, I think there'll be LSS staff at the event. There'll be everyone from New Zealand I haven't met yet. Uh, Melody's there. Uh, I mean, I can't, there's, there's, there'll it's be a, good a hundred people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Find some content creators out there. Yeah. Do some collabs or something. I got asked to do in Singapore a UPF video. Mm-hmm. I just don't have time because I'm not traveling as a tourist. I'm no, going yeah, like two days before the event. Yeah, I want to maybe find a couple of interesting places to eat, yep. see some sites, but not yeah. like I don't even want to spend money on the tourist thing. I just want to like I was a fan of Sal's Pizza when I was over there recently. Yeah, so check that out. But you got a good, quite a few good food places. Well, I got there. Nuisance picking me up. He said he's my Uber driver for the weekend, so okay. it, maybe I'll convince James to let him off work early, <laughs> and then he can drive me around. Awesome. <laughs> um, but I got yeah. I mean, that's the beauty, right? Is there's always locals when you travel that that'll take you around. Well, good luck. Thank you. Yes. Bring the gold you're, home. You're not going to New Zealand with me. No. But I'll see you in Singapore, I yes, believe. Yes, definitely. So I'll be at the Singapore Calling. So that should be a bit of fun. Um, but That's run that. by Fable. Yeah, yes. so we're the TOs for it. So, so you're working? Uh, working. No, my, my team will be doing all the work. <laughs> no, but I mean, but, uh, like, it's a work thing for you, right? Yeah, 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 definitely. It'll be a good opportunity to meet a lot of the retailers and stores out there. Uh, it'll be my first opportunity to see flesh and blood in, in that environment. So... Uh, I've been there uh, from a magic perspective, so now it'll be good to see. Yep. And I think I'll spend a day or two and just cross the border over to uh, Malaysia and go okay. to Kuala Lumpur. I uh, hear there's some pretty big fab stores over there as well. Yeah. So that should be There's fun. a couple of really cool Malaysian content creators I watch. Mm. Okay. Yeah, mm. very, very cool. Yeah. Um, Shout out Geeky Guy. He's from Malaysia, isn't he? I believe so. Mm. Mm. So th- also on that note, Funda might not be weekly, although we're going to try our best to maybe line up episodes while I'm traveling. Do you, do you come home next week or you go straight to yeah, Singapore? So no, we'll be fine in the next couple of weeks, but when Singapore and Lil happen, I'm away for two weeks. Mm-hmm. So all we got to do is maybe pre Give me the keys to the palace, John. Y- <laughs> you can have them. It's whether you have a guest. <laughs> no, it's, just, just, yeah. it's just, just me talk to me with a shirt off. Just, he'll he uses, play all the characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'll just do talk Change to me seats. thunder and I'll just talk to the camera for two hours, <laughs> butt naked. <laughs> I'll pay to see that. <laughs> just <laughs> drinking a I'm glass. I'm still waiting for the OnlyFans. He said his car. I don't know where oh, it is. Do an OnlyFans. Man, just crack look, on let, it. let me tell you something. What, just like 99% of the girls that do OnlyFans don't do nudity. Let me tell you, it's it's a thing, right? Where they go like, I'm on OnlyFans, but then you go on there and it's like them in a bikini. You know, it's not... You just do that. Just just so bait everyone in. in. B- bikini. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mankini. Yeah. Um, I'm sure all right, guys. Well, thanks for watching. Any Anything um, spicy? Any news? Any... Uh, Nothing too out of the ordinary. I'm sure that there'll be news that comes out shortly anyway about some events and stuff. So hopefully that all comes out very shortly. But I mean, and look, people come up and say hello to you at Singapore. Yeah, definitely. Whenever and you know, it's it's really cool. Like even since I started this job, people from the community have been 
you know, come out and catch up and have a chat. So they're really open and, you know, being awesome. friendly. So that's been good. But like, you know, one of the things I always tell Paul to do, and I'm going to do it for him, make sure you share, like, and subscribe if you enjoy <laughs> this content. And wherever you get your podcasts, make sure you give it five stars. So, you know, that, the algorithm. Uh, yeah, d- the algorithm does its job and more and more people can enjoy this content. So that's that's my 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 tall Timmy plug right there. Jeez, well, I mean, subscribe to Tall Timmy on YouTube. Yep. Find him on Twitter. It's very entertaining stuff. Yeah, when you've you've got a video, you oh, well, did I've a been, video been, recently. You I, called Houston. Yeah, yeah, I've been a bit. Look, I've been a bit preoccupied with the Gauntlet um, series for LSS. That that's going to be good though. I've done. Yeah, so LSS approached me a few weeks ago to do the Skirmish Season Five Gauntlet series. So we filmed that and we're doing editing, and I'm going to make a video this week about that experience on my own channel um, because I'd like to talk about that and um, yeah we have the first video dropping on the main flesh and blood page uh, YouTube page tomorrow so that'll be John v me it's quite an an entertaining video talk about like uh, the decks doing what they should do is very fun it's very very fun to watch. It's it's what if you scripted the game, yeah. it would have come out. Yeah. Like if you wrote what would it be the funniest d- thing to happen in this? D- d- don't expect <laughs> professional level play team. No, no, no. Um, we were literally we're, here we're, on this table. We're, playing, there, we're yeah. there to inspire you to attend your skirmish events. Oh, but we got some spicy different. deck list for yeah, you. Yeah, we got some. We got some spicy. And who deck are your other guests? Uh, I played against Hayden the one and only from Arsenal Pass, and our favourite son, Yazi. Mm. So, yeah, we had a good lineup. We had a lot of fun. We did the filming here. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it was great. And so it's six different heroes. Correct. Mm. That's right. Six, six different, different ideas for Blitz, for Skirmish yeah. Season 5. Skirmish Season 5. Yeah. So that's, that's what's been happening. And now we're just coordinating... Um, attending Australian Nationals down mm. in Victoria. I believe there's going to be some more announcements. Man, so many things in a row. It's the, the week after Lil. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of people had to rejig their flights because they were going to spend a week in Europe with the with the fiancé <laughs> and then they had to cancel. Kids to come back to now. But, but good and bad, Flesh and have a lot of events. You don't have to go to all of them. If you're complaining about too many events, that's on you. Mm. Just don't go to all of them. <laughs> if, if you're playing in Pro 2, you do not need to go to a skirmish. Let other people go to the skirmish. <laughs> Um, all right, guys, that's it for us. Again, like, subscribe, comment. Let us know um, if you're enjoying the content, any changes we should do. I think we've fixed the audio and all that now. So, uh, But, yeah, good night. I'm going to play some music. Thank you. Adios.